everybody to the Cinemasters of the Universe podcast. You know who I am. I'm your host to the left, the rental king, Ron Avis. And we're going to be talking about a movie that's near and dear to my heart. Speaking of hearts, it's February. And you know what February means? Well, Black History Month. Shame on us for not having a theme uh, for just movies. Yeah, anyway, we should probably work on that. <laughs> no, but also Valentine's Day. And Adam and I thought it would be fun to talk about uh, some movies that we really, really love. And naturally, I have I've talked about TMNT from 1990 as one of my all-time favorite movies many, many times. So I thought, hey, what a perfect time to go ahead and just knock this one off the list. Uh, my co-host of the North, who was with me, just, you know, the other half of the two white broads, <laughs> Adam Peterson. What's happening, man? Bossa Nova. Chevy Nova. Excellent. <laughs> Adam, welcome, man. Uh, we haven't done an episode in a couple months, so this is just sort of us dipping it's our toe good, back into the back. podcast waters. It is. It's real good to be back, and it's real good to have a, a third person behind the microphone. Uh, guys, girls, everybody, I'm so excited to introduce the Prince of Pixels himself from the Big Geek Podcast, also co-hosted by me. Nick Wright. What's going on, man? Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, so thanks so much for, for coming out and uh, on a late, late Friday night to record an episode dedicated to one of my favorite movies. Uh, movies we love. We're talking about movies we love in, fe in February. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The reason Nick is here is he's, he's sort of that special sauce to talk about, you know, to kind of give you that anecdotal sort of perspective of, of a movie that Adam and I really can't share because we didn't know each other as kids, but Nick and I go way back. We have a lot of history with uh, the Ninja Turtles in particular. It's sort of one of the, you know, like cornerstones of our friendship, really. Yeah. And just the lead up to the movie, how excited we were. We didn't know much about it and just talking about it and, you know, uh, just you and I trying to talk about something like something that happened 32 years ago of course you just have very fragmented very vague and cloudy memories of things that happened 32 years ago and it was just fun kind of getting together with you and being like hey this is how i remembered this is that how you remembered it no and not you, at all yeah and you feel <laughs> like oh, i don't remember quite like that but this is what i do remember and just somewhere like in the middle, we just, oh, that must be what it was. Mm -hmm. And it's just been a real blast. And it's, it's kind of one of those things that we, you would get all the time, that feeling doing the Big Geek podcast, because that was just sort of our whole thing. It was just talking about uh, things from our past that we loved, what it meant to us. Some, you know, you'd go for brief history, and then we would just get lost talking about these old things that we hadn't really thought about in 15, 20, 30 years. And this certainly qualifies. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh I mean, for me, this movie, you guys, it, it really kind of, it's partially responsible for kickstarting my love for just cinema and going to the movies. Uh, Batman 89 was just sort of this religious experience almost for me. Like, it just really, I was into movies. I liked Michael Keaton. I liked Beetlejuice. I was vaguely aware of, you know, Tim Burton and Pee Wee Herman and all that stuff. But all those sort of unlikely things came together, Michael Keaton as Batman, and then you just sort of had this viewing experience like, wow, this is what comic book movies can be like. 
And I feel like after Batman, that was like the high. Like TMNT didn't up the ante, but it didn't hurt things. And it was on a much, much smaller budget than Batman. So you really got to kind of tip your cap to uh, the makers of the TMNT movie uh, in particular. Let's, let's go over some of the housekeeping real quick, guys. Uh, this movie was uh, released March 30th, 1990. Nick and I, you, we, were in the, we were in middle school. We were in the seventh grade. Yeah, and you know um, that you mentioned that it was March 30th. Uh, before we were, when we were talking, uh, you had kind of mentioned that you, you distinctly remember that my mom had dropped us off there, which I don't remember at all. But, you know, you were probably right if it was released on March 30th. We, because you had said too, we probably like had had a sleepover the night before we went and saw the movie, maybe. And, yep. um, you know, that may be accurate. It, March 30th, we probably did something like for my birthday yep. or something. We would typically have a sleepover on each other's birthdays. Like you'd come over to my house on my birthday and have yeah, a sleepover. It's, and play it's games. so close to yep. that date that we probably did that and then go see the movie. I'm and, telling you, we. It was a thing, you know? We definitely, it was for sure a thing. And it was, I, I can't remember, <laughs> it's so wild. For for it being such an important memory in my life, such an important movie in my life, I don't remember a lot about the actual seeing of the movie. Other than that, <laughs> like, you know, like right at the, just like little things, just very little things. Yeah. So I wish I could remember like, oh, I had popcorn or the type of candy that I had or, you know, I just don't remember any of those things, but that's okay because I have seen the movie a lot. I watched it earlier. Uh, you you came over, we watched it, mm-hmm. you and I, Nick, yeah. and just sort of. I mean, I've seen it. I see it maybe like once a year, every other year. Really? Yeah, because I, I I think it's a fun movie. Oh, it is. Yeah. Uh, it really stands up as a great comic book movie, and I think it's one of the best comic book movies. And you know, Batman came out in June of '89. And no, this came out in March of 90, so really within a span of, like, a few months, eight or nine months, you had two of the best uh, comic book adaptations. It's it's interesting that you call it a comic book movie because it, it is. It is. You know, it yeah. is. But when you look at the poster, the tagline on the poster is, this is no cartoon, dudes, <laughs> yeah. because the cartoon is what was popular. The cartoon is the only reason it exists. It, it is the only reason yeah. it is, exists. But, yeah, it's very much a comic book movie. We'll, we'll get into it more, I'm sure, in a minute. But, yeah, the, the comic books in which it was truly based on and that director. I want to talk about Steve Barron. He's an, he's an angel, this guy. Steve Barron, I've been trying my best to find, you know, like oral histories and, and things about the making of this movie. Because I'm going to say, Adam, you and I talk about releases of movies on 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 blu-ray or not not really blu-ray but steelbook special editions of movies we already have but we get excited still when a new steelbook comes out and they give it all those you know loving touches like the art and the materials inside all the special extras that you would used to custom seeing in dvds frustratingly this movie has hardly any of that there there was a dvd release i mean there was the vhs release which was legendary i still have it yeah um wore the tape out i'm sure like i had a few of those tapes that i wore out that this is definitely one of them the little mermaid and roger rabbit 
Who Framed Roger Rabbit? I wore those tapes out. It was one of those yeah. few moments where you could actually affordably buy a movie and watch it over and over and over again. But this was done. It came out around my birthday. The VHS came out in October. I think it was like October 20th. Pizza Hut kicked off this like big, like, you know, multimedia campaign where they had some toys. Burger King had toys and they were doing their thing, but it was more based on the cartoon. But Pizza Hut, and it, it, funny, there's a there's a Domino's. I was just going to mention that. Like, <laughs> yeah. are you really? Are, are you sure there's a Pizza Hut promotion? Yeah. Because Domino's was very prominent in the movie. The Pizza Hut wasn't interested in being a sponsor, but then they saw how successful the movie was. Nobody believed in this movie. That's hilariously. Funny. Nobody believed in this movie. Nobody wanted to make it. It was based off like the hottest toy and cartoon property, you know, since maybe He-Man. <laughs> it was such a huge thing to everybody. Everybody knew Ninja Turtles. Um, and but but my point is like why why doesn't this movie why didn't it at least after thirty years get this big release where you get the steel book and the director's commentary like there is no director's commentary released in the states for this movie criminal absolutely criminal that's yeah, crazy and as a person who likes to learn about movies and how they're made dvds were sort of like that intro into you know because I, I remember the ghostbusters commentary being legendary yes so good yeah. so filled with interesting tidbits throughout the movie the stars of the movie like Harold Ramis is you know there and he, like it kind of set a standard I feel like you just expected that from then on uh, and now yeah, I, I just I remember watching that for the first time <laughs> and you know it's got Harold Ramis and yeah. you know you're going through the library and the books start floating by and right. he's like books on a wire you know <laughs> and just from that point on it was like you know you were in for a treat when I saw that and you you told me about it when I saw that commentary, it was sort of like one of those like big revelatory moments. Like the first time I saw Kevin Smith do a Q and a kind of thing. It's like, wow, I didn't know movies could be this. I didn't know that like a movie could just continue to entertain you beyond the actual movie. Yeah. You got all these like interesting stories and, 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 you know, firsthand accounts of, and then you, you don't have that so much anymore, but you do have these companies like shout factory who really do a great job keeping that spirit alive most blu-rays nowadays don't have many extras on them anymore it's just the movie they kind of stopped doing the stuff that they did back in the dvd days but shout factory keeps it going like they still have all the just they they dig and dig and dig where's the tmnt release what is going on i don't understand is it because it was distributed by well it was distributed by new new line cinema but golden harvest <laughs> A name that some people, it, hey, if you're like into Jackie Chan movies or Bruce Lee movies, Golden Harvest probably sounds familiar. And I was in the 90s. You were in the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, also don't forget Cannonball Run. That was a big hit of theirs. But I think part of like the movie is so low budget. And because it's a movie about Ninja Turtles, they had access to all of these amazing kung fu artists that could just sort of come in in those action turtle suits and do amazing stunts on top of the actors who were doing the hero turtle shots where that mouth's moving and it's sort of up close and you know those actors were doing those scenes but those those hong kong guys holy crap you know they're all those great scenes where they're fighting 
And in the first movie, I mean, Secret of the Use is a lot of fun, and I love it. I'm not going to badmouth it, but I feel like the action's better in the first movie. Yeah. Part of it could be just because of the weapons. They're actually drawing their weapons and using them and not hitting each other with sausages and cold cuts and whatever. But, yeah, and that that's the funny thing, too, that uh, when you and I were watching it a little earlier, that I was noticing that, you know, because it was such a big deal that they couldn't use their weapons in the second movie. But while they did draw their swords or whatever nobody ever got hit by a blade except one shredder at the very end you know he he got he took a hit on his arm right and that was it i have some fun some fun stories to get through my research of of uh of watching this and preparing for this episode just some interesting stuff but i I want to get back to the housekeeping uh yeah so the director uh steve baron who was basically known for directing music videos, which is not uncommon. There, there were a lot of big directors in the 90s, especially, who got their start uh, directing music videos. They were very stylistic. They were like little movies. Anyway, so it makes sense. It makes sense to like hire these guys to direct films. And, you know, sometimes you get a guy like David Fincher who transitions over to movies perfectly, stays there. But for whatever reason... Um, you know, after making one of, at the time, it was the most successful independent film in history. It it, it was, it, I think it cost 13 million was the sort of in budget. Let's see, what does IMDb say the budget was? Because I've read a lot of things and I think you, I, I hardly get a sense. I feel like there's all kinds of opinions on what a budget actually is. Sometimes you'll come across different sources. They'll say like, oh, the budget was 80 million. Whereas over here, it says 85 million. You're like, well, 5 million, I guess it was somewhere around there. But when you're talking like 13 million, that's anytime like you add or shave 3 million is a huge deal. That's like a major like percentage of your overall budget. Um, Oh no, this is Steve Barron's information. Let me back up out of here. Uh, budget, budget. I'm pretty sure it's 13 million, but I'm going to go back and make sure. Does it even have it here? Nope, budget. 13.5 million is what IMDb says. Uh, the gross in the United States would have been 135 million. It was the highest grossing movie of 1990, uh, just eking out past Pretty Woman. I, thought, I remember that being a thing because they kind of came out around the same time. They were in theaters near each other. And those two movies were, I think, battling to the end to see like which was the highest grossing movie. I think it was TMNT. I believe it was the highest grossing movie. Uh, gross worldwide. I mean, you know, nowadays it's a big deal to include Chinese box office and things like that. We all just know that if the movie's going to make a billion dollars, it's got to do well in the foreign markets too. And this movie kind of did probably because uh, it was such a huge backing from China. It probably did really well over there. So the overall gross worldwide was over two hundred million. That's in nineteen ninety dollars. Like that's wild. You know, it came out just before spring break. Uh, people like you and I were go- making plans to see it, and then at spring break, you kids could just go see it in droves. I read something where. You know, you'll, you'll tell, like, if a movie's, like, a huge hit based on, like, its legs. Like, what kind of legs does a movie have? You hear that sort of terminology a lot. Like, does it continue to make lots of money? Or does it make all of its money in the first weekend and then make a lot less money the second week? And I think, I think like, you want to, like, look for around a 40% drop. Like, that's healthy. 
and it only dropped like 25% from its opening week. So like it still made huge money, like its second week. So, and it's March. That's like a dumping ground for a lot of movies. And being that this was a cheaper movie and new line, new line, I think once they started testing the movie and realized they had something, they, they did order a lot more prints of the movie and got it out to more and more theaters. They, they did see the writing on the wall, but Oh my gosh, just, just leading up to this movie, Nick, let's just, you and I talk for a minute about like, just from, from yours and mine perspective, just the Ninja Turtles. So this movie meant a great deal to, uh, you and I, right, Nick? I mean, the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie that, you know, the, the 1990 version. Yeah. Uh, the original uh, cinematic uh, entry into the universe of turtles, of which we both enjoyed so much. Yeah, you, you kind of got me into the Ninja Turtles, introduced me to them. That makes sense. That makes sense. I, it does seem as though a lot of these things, I was the one that introduced you. I, the things that you tried to introduce me to, like anime and things, just didn't take from me. <laughs> I don't know why. Such a bad influence. Though. I know, man. I was a bad friend. Um, but, yeah, so I, I guess, I know we, we originally had, like, talked in the on the Big Geek podcast how we discussed how, you know, our friendship just sort of st- kind of goes back to the, t- you know, the Super Mario Brothers 2 instruction manual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how we sort of found that common ground of, like, hey, this this could be, like, a friend of mine. They're looking at Super Mario Brothers 2 NES manual. Like, I would look at a manual, not not as just some throwaway piece of documentation, but as this holy grail of, uh, you know, before magazines, video game magazines were everywhere. And, and it was like, uh, it. I like that you used the word holy grail because that's kind of like what it was. And since I didn't have that... Um, me, you know, being kind of the semi-artist that I am, doodling and whatnot, that that's exactly what I wanted to do was, like, take this holy grail and preserve it and and draw the the artwork from it um, to take home since I didn't have it, but you had it. So, oh, can uh, can I borrow that? You know, and that's how we met. That is really, that's that's funny how chance brought us together that way. <laughs> I just happened to have it and um because it wasn't even mine it belonged to a friend of mine oh is that right yeah i didn't even own super mario brothers 2 i never have owned super mario brothers 2 <laughs> well no i have it now but as a collector like back in the 80s when everyone was excited i don't think i had a nintendo at the time and i had a neighbor who had it and that's why i played it so much that's but, interesting yeah I, I didn't own it, so I, I had that book. And it was thick, too. It had, like, so many illustrations of enemies and just illustrations yeah. of Mario in I, action. I always loved that with all of those old Nintendo instruction manuals is just that, you know, it would have the drawing and drawing and a screenshot of the enemy or yeah. character or whoever with the name and, like, a, some sort of description or whatever. Yeah, it would be, like, 
What was it like the screenshot, just like the pixel version? Because I, I yeah. remember in three, they had more illustrated versions. Of yeah. The, well, yeah, yeah. like because Super Mario Brothers one, I, it was strictly kind of the <laughs> a drawing of the sprite. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that, too. I always love sprite artwork. So we were fast friends because of that, but some somewhere along the line, I guess I sent to you, because the TMNT cartoon, let's just go back. Let's just go back a little bit. This is one of the big reasons why I wanted to for sure have you on this episode. It's because I just know how much the turtles meant to you and I and our friendship, and it just sort of spanned all of middle school, really. Uh, I think it kind of started with, the toys, like you had the action figures. I must have, yeah. And I must, because the, the show was on before we were even in middle school. It was fifth grade when the show premiered. And I don't, I don't really remember as far as cartoon and toys, like which I kind of got into first. But I do remember uh, after kind of seeing your action figures that I wanted one. And so, and, and you know how it is with like, you know, a kid asking a parent like for like a new line, you know, like oh. you're already getting transformers <laughs> right. and you know, whatever. And, hey, and in my case, I was also getting GI Joe, yeah. which was a huge line in itself. And so, Hey, can I have this? <laughs> It's a totally new line that me and, and the parents already thinking like, Red flag. Oh, now you're going to start getting, <laughs> you true. need to get more and more and more of these now. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah. And so I, I got Raphael was my first one and I loved it. And I, I played with that one for like the longest time until yeah. I started getting more and more and more. I feel like I had all four at the same time. I think I was lucky enough to get all four of them, you know, probably a trip to Walmart. Because they were, they were, Walmart was like a huge place for the turtles. I mean, they were, I'm sure they were also available at Toys R Us, obviously. But Walmart, I feel like the, right when Walmart was getting huge and all the new Walmarts were being built around us, uh, that's around the time that the turtles were hitting huge. So I, a lot of the turtles that I bought had that like Walmart sticker on it. Um, Cause you know, we did a lot of shopping there and obviously they, they had them. Then I was going to grab them there. And I guess you must have come over to stay the night, or maybe I brought one into school. I can't really remember. In elementary school, I totally remember it being a thing where you would have your little lunchbox, and sometimes you would try to sneak in like yeah. a small toy. Yeah, like a, one of the mini cars for Transformers. I remember doing Perfect, things like yes. that. Or even a Dinobot if you were really, if you, <laughs> if you substitute like a sandwich for it, you know. <laughs> it's like, hey, I want to show off this Dinobot. I'm not going to be able to have soup in there as well. Or go some kind of something, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a snack pack maybe. But I mean, you know, it's the, it's for the love of sharing of toys and the thing we love, Transformers. But I say that because, like in in middle school, I don't. I wanted to talk about this, and I'm sure you felt it too. We may have even acknowledged it a little bit to each other back then. But Ninja Turtles was for sure that last vestige of well, childhood yeah because you're you're in middle school and so you're <laughs> it's this conflict between yeah i'm a big kid now i'm too old for this anyone who's grown up understands what we're talking about yeah you, you just, there's a pressure i think there's a lot less pressure now there seems to be more of a general acceptance of 
nerdy things. Because it's like that peer pressure. Like, how are the other kids going to look at me? I'm still playing with toys. I'm thankful that we at least, we felt it. I was aware of it. You were probably aware of it. But we didn't let it stop it, stop us from openly talking about the Ninja Turtles in school. Uh, I know seeing the graphic novels, which is one of the elements of Ninja Turtles that I had no idea about that you and we, we had, by the way, talked about this and we had a, a TMNT whole episode on Big Geek Podcast where we really just kind of went over all the turtle stuff. And some of the things we're probably talking about now, we probably even said some back then, but it does give us a chance to kind of step back and, and, and look at it again through a new sort of prens or lism, a new prism of the movie. Because I don't, we probably didn't talk a ton about the movie. Yeah, in, in the Big Geek, yeah, probably not. We tried to cover just so much. Cartoon, yeah. comics, toys, everything. Like We went all over the place. Uh, but I don't remember, I, I don't feel like we really did it justice, just how big it was. And yes, you had the peer pressure, but we we still would bring at least a couple of times them into school. Because I remember there was this one kid, I can't remember his name, but I remember it's the same kid who took your EGM, that one EGM, yeah. and like punched like holes in it, cut holes in it, and did all kinds of weird stuff. I, yeah, I think it was issue one. I think it was the Super Mario Brothers 2 issue one. I think you're right. I think you're right. And it, I mean, why would anybody do that? But anyways, like, hey man, can I borrow your magazine that, I mean, I barely know you for starters, <laughs> but can you give me one of your prized possessions for me to just hold on to and do God knows what? And turns out God knows what was punch a bunch of holes in the, in the cover. Uh, like I, to this day that, that just boggles my mind. I don't know why I did that, but I remember he finding out that we liked the turtles too. And I remember thinking like it was a big deal that he didn't just out and out shame us for liking them. He wasn't quite into it, but he also was sort of just like, Oh, well I like you guys. So, you know, if you, if you guys think the turtles are, not for babies, then I guess it's okay. Yeah, because in my mind, it, he kind of seemed like, like you know, we were the two, like, little kids, kind of, yeah. and even though we're, like, all the same age, right. he seemed older. taller and yeah. older. Yeah, maybe and a little more hairs growing cooler, around. Cooler, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, is he is he making fun of us, or is he generally interested in what we're talking about? And I didn't get the feeling that he thought it was stupid. There like, was at least once, too, that you brought, like, your duffel bag, like, full of Ninja Turtle toys. Oh, that blue duffel bag. I still have it. Yeah. <laughs> still got it somewhere. I brought that into school one day. At, at least Holy once. crap. The balls that I must have had. I'm like, <laughs> why? I must have been, like, staying the night or something at your place and brought them yeah. with me. I, I can't even imagine why I would do it, something. It was so probably risky. because we were going to do something later on, yeah. It was very risky. Because <laughs> uh, that thing was filled. I had so many of the turtles. Like, I had tons and tons and tons. I had them all the way up to the part where they just started getting ridiculous with all the reissues of the just the four turtles, but... Hey, this time they're crazy looking football players. Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> that it got kind of where they started losing me a little fast. bit, big time. And I see that happening again. And like with each new line of the turtles, like I don't collect them anymore. I don't pay much attention to them anymore. But I will look over and see that that style of turtle now has all the 
accoutrements of that goofy. They're doing it again. Like I noticed in, uh, cause you know, there were the Walmart has the re-releases of the original toys. Yeah. And they started out just the four turtles. And, but now I saw that, I guess I haven't even seen them in the stores yet myself, but I've seen a picture like hanging on the, Oh, I the, saw the I saw one. Oh, I did saw you? one. The, yep. it, it was I think it was the one where you could store you, like weapons you inside interested. the shelves or something like the show would open up, mm-hmm. but it, it's getting to be like they're re-releasing the crazy ones again. They kind of are, yeah. But that one is weird. It's almost like a version of one of those crazy ones. Like obviously there's the wave 1 and 2 that you're talking about where they straight up re-release maybe with a different paint. Uh but they're the same. And, you know, I say the storing the weapons in the shell is what the crazy ones, but that yeah. that's very tame compared that is to. Very <laughs> tame. That's actually kind of. Those useful. were actually kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, you're talking about the ones where they they would have this big bulky shell design because they were going to spin on their back or do something wacky. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, like another like of, of the cool kind of gimmicks was the ones where they would uh, like you could push the head into the shell. Because mm-hmm. of like that scene, like in the movie where you know in Michael the movie, was like, I yeah. love being a turtle. I love being a turtle. Oh, that was a great scene. I love that they did that. I wonder how that that had to have been done super on the cheap, but it was effective. Yeah, it's definitely very effective. Um, but yeah, that the Ninja Turtles, like I if I if I picture my childhood as like a bridge, it's the part like you're stepping off the bridge onto the pavement. Like it's that last little bit. That you kind of, and, but you and I, like, we never stopped liking the things that we liked. You, you would sort of be quiet about it in high school because we went to different high schools. So I'd lost that person. I kind of had to try and go out and find a new person that was just like that, but I never did find one. I, I got, I started getting into those, uh, the Batman, the animated series oh, in high school. Good. Those were good. So those I, good. I was buying like those toys in high school. Dude, no judgment. Cause I mean, we would still make trips to Toys R Us, even as, you know, teenagers and teenagers who just got driver's licenses. We never grew up. We, we totally obeyed Toys R Us and did not grow up. <laughs> but I think it's, it's telling cause you know, we, have different sort of upbringings, but we never kind of like stopped being true to who we were and just grow up because we were supposed to, we didn't have neither one of us. I don't think had a person, especially at home telling us to knock it off or, or like an older brother, like you definitely had an older brother, but he is not the type he, of person who would rub it in and make you feel bad he's about a, it. He's as big of a geek as I am. So. <laughs> Bigger maybe yeah, even, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love you, Mark. You're the coolest to me, but you know it's true. <laughs> um, and I didn't have, like, I had older, older brothers who were early in the house anymore. So there was nobody at home stopping us and telling us, like, you know, like knocking the, you know, take that doll out of your hand and, you know, look look at this magazine of girls instead because <laughs> you know, I still was like attracted to girls, but I was just still into that kind of stuff. So I always sort of look at the Ninja Turtles in that early run of toys as sort of, you know, the big farewell of childhood. And I, we had, listen to me, we had the greatest childhood when it comes to toys. Oh stuff. my gosh. Yeah. Starting with Star Wars and picking up with GoBots, Transformers, G.I. Joe, He-Man, He-Man yeah. uh, Mask. It was like every 
year this new inventive amazing cool thing from japan or just here made up in the states and we were just getting them every year and there were i mean just so many other that were just really cool that maybe we didn't even collect but they were just amazing like yeah like the, sectors uh, and uh, what was it called inhumanoids inhumanoids uh, centurions yeah and, oh, the, with the cool hologram stuff yeah. going on yeah and then there were like but then you had the stuff like muscle figures and garbage pail kids and this is plenty and plenty of things to sort of divide your uh, interest in uh but man turtles had such an amazing run and if you think about turtles going from in my case, for sure, cartoon, then toy, uh, then movie. And then for you, it's maybe toy, then cartoon, or maybe simultaneously, uh, then comics, yeah, then movie. Uh, I, I think I took it a step further than you yeah. as far as like, so when, then when I started getting interested in it, it was like, now I want to see where this came from. And I don't even know really how I went about doing this because it's before the internet. Yeah. Right. And how do we know stuff? Somehow, this is the nerdy comic book guy. Somehow I backtracked to its origins and started getting interested in the Mirage comics. Well, didn't you say it was a comic book store it clerk that kind of showed you uh, like, wasn't it Comic Book World? And Well, I mean, I, I used to go to Comic Book World. I feel but... like you told me a story once where it was one of the people that worked at the comic book shop turned you on to it, maybe. That may be, but, um, yeah, I forget. Or I, maybe you noticed it. I, and... Well, I, well, I might have noticed it because it, it, it was collected in graphic novels by that time. And so I started getting... Uh, there were four graphic novels that that had those early issues all collected together, and so th after it might have been, I think it might have been at the flea market where I found the first one, mm. maybe. Um, but so then, and since these were sort of collectibles, sort of almost at this point, like what what it, what was the like price for something like that? I don't even remember because the 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 um. Is it is it Mirage? Mirage Comics? Mirage Studios, yeah. Yeah, Mirage. Um, they were the company that brought them out and but they started back in the like eighties, eighty four, eighty five. Uh, yeah, early eighty, early to mid eighties. So by the time you came around to it, it had been four or five years, probably. Yeah. And I know comics are there's like reissues of the older comics, and I guess you can find comics. But I will say, too, the, the Ninja Turtle graphic novels sort of introduced me to the whole concept of what a graphic novel was, too. Yeah. I'd seen comic books in grocery stores like Donald Duck and, uh, you know, Disney stuff or whatever, Archie. But you didn't see those kinds of thick, you know, types of books. It's very, it's, it's, it's very grown up. I, I do think that seeking out those Ninja Turtle comics was when it first opened my eyes to how valuable some old comics can be. Hmm. Uh, because like I, I would see like, you know, the, the first print of issue number two, you know, and it's however many like hundreds of dollars or whatever. Yeah. 
And uh, I that that's kind of the first time I kind of remember like noticing valuable comics. Where did you notice that? Because again, no online or internet. Was the it flea market for sure? Flea market and comic <laughs> book stores. Okay, okay. So they had established the values amongst themselves. They kind of dictated those prices. I wonder if they had, because I was really big into baseball card collecting and we would buy these Beckett uh, price guides that each month they would have, they would, they would go back to the, basically like the beginning of baseball cards every year. And they would have a listing of every card that was in the set for that year. Yeah. And, and I would get, similar things to that like for just toys too and like mm-hmm. you know because there was that like the april o'neill figure i found at that walgreens that one time that like didn't have the orange stripe and so i mm. recognized that as being one of the rare ones and i i remember looking trying to look that up in, in those different like catalogs and whatnot like what it's worth at yeah. this time or that's whatever. cool I, I wasn't really aware that that existed yeah Kind of how eBay probably got their start. Like, <laughs> let's just consult some of these old, you know, flea market rags. Kind of give us a baseline. Well, no, first they were giving away like uh, for a dollar a piece, <laughs> but then the collector's market started. Isn't it wild to think about? You know how much certain games for like the NES or SNES would cost nowadays? Just loose, not even with everything. And. Just 15, 20 years ago, like if you think about a store like Funko Land, who just were selling them for like $2, $3, oh, yeah, $5 yeah. maybe if it was. Yeah, and I remember looking at those catalogs like for Funko Land and like yeah. how much is my Super Mario Brothers worth? One, right. one dollar. No, worth, it was worth nothing. You wouldn't even give it away for it, that. It would be like a nickel or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like a bent piece of nickel? Like what? Yeah, okay. Like they bite it, they bend it. It's like it's not even worth that. It's a half a shilling. There you go. Spend that where they take crooked money. Oh, gosh. Um, so to kind of bring this back to the uh, Ninja Turtles movie. And, oh, my God. It's been kind of fun trying to piece our memories, like our collective memories together. And one of the things that I had mentioned to you, I texted you and I said, Nick, I know this is going to sound weird, but I have this real vague memory of a magazine and we were, I think in, cause you know how, like when you would get off the bus and you would kind of go to the gym and you may sit there and wait until the class bell would ring and then you'd go to your first period or whatever. I feel like that's where we did it. Cause there were other people around too. Yeah. Cause we didn't ride the same bus. No. Um, yeah, there, there was that time like before, School started where you would like go wait in the gym or something, mm-hmm. or, or maybe even the or lunch the library or the lunchroom. Yeah, right. and um, it wasn't like an everyday thing, but we would see each other from time to time. But yeah, there would be a moment where we could just kind of hang out before there was like actual school yeah. things. And uh, but yeah, but as soon as you mentioned <laughs> that magazine, I was like Nintendo Power. Yeah, and that was the other thing, too. There were lots of magazines that even, you know, now there's, well, there's not as many now, but at one point there were just tons and tons of magazines. But in 1989-90, there were only really a handful of magazines that we were buying. EGM, Game EGM, Pro. Game Pro, Nintendo Power. But that's where I, it was funny. I had a feeling in my head it was Nintendo Power, but 
I also was fully aware that I was not getting Nintendo powers. Nintendo power was something that you didn't get in stores. You had to mail order it. That's true. Yeah. And I didn't you had think a, that until you mentioned it. Just you now. never yeah. saw them anywhere in stores. And I never got them. You, you were my, thank God for you. I actually got a chance to experience Nintendo power and all the splendor and looking. I, I love Nintendo how, power. How does watching one the, even first get a subscription to Nintendo power? They're not so. It had store. to have been a, like a thing with a game because a lot of the games would come with like little inserts. I mean, obviously I did it, but I don't even yeah. remember. <laughs> no, I'm sure your mom or dad didn't go. Oh, hey, I was flipping through this game magazine one day and I came across Nintendo Power. It probably was you had gotten Zelda 2 or something and inside because Dragon Warrior, I think right around the time that Dragon Warrior was coming out is when Nintendo Power sort of started up the way we know it as. Yeah, and uh, was it, it was Dragon Warrior? That was one of those free games, wasn't it? They were giving it away for free with a subscription to Nintendo Power. Well, and uh, I didn't get that game, so that was I already had my subscription before they started doing that. But I, but my point is, that it, there had to kind be of a way. A, I'm kind of annoyed by that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, there. But I, I really believe that must be where, like, maybe you were, you got a game, and you were just all excited, and you were flipping, you were looking through the materials because we, we, we drank it all in, every bit of it. The box was amazing. Uh, you know, they'd come in these sleeves and you could just fidget around with those sleeves and the manuals were amazing. Like everything was great. Yeah. The golden age of video games, video game documentation. Nowadays, you're lucky if you get an insert, like you get nothing. <laughs> they just completely cut us off. Um, but, but just going back to that, I, I just, I, it was so fun to think about that. And I have these fragmented memories and then with your fragmented memories, kind of putting it together and go like this, this was how I remember it, but it must've actually been like this. So you found the actual, uh, well, well, what what we think is at least we were leading up to the recording, still trying to find what we actually think there may still be another blurb about the movie that we may have seen also. But there, I remember, so this is how I remember it is. Like, I remember looking at the magazine, and it was talking about this new movie coming out. And it may or may not have been the first time we ever even knew they were making a movie. Because, I mean, again, no internet back in the day. They, weren't, they didn't talk about these things. Yeah, like, everybody didn't know. I just, I remember that they're saying there's going to be a live action. Yeah. You know, keyword on live action Ninja Turtles movie. Right. Which, and so that was just like, and, and so, and that's where... What you know, you were about to say is where there must be another piece of information we yep. didn't find, because in our memories we were remembering the screenshot mm-hmm. with this news. Yes, but then started thinking though. Well, I knew there was a live action movie coming first, and thinking, how is this possibly going to look? Yeah, how are how are they going to do this? Because that's like you know because. At the time, you know, it was a comic book and a cartoon. Mm-hmm. How are they going to make a live action and Ninja Turtle? We knew movie? that He Man was a thing, and Howard the Duck was a thing, and those things, as entertaining as they were, just didn't look real good. And yeah, I'm and sure so you we would kind of use like Howard the Duck as like a baseline, like exactly. Uh, oh yeah, Ninja yeah. Turtles. Uh, I don't know. I'm not seeing that. 
that, but and that's why I don't know if I saw that. But you, you were sure that the blurb was that picture because I look at that picture. But yeah, because I could, I could remember for sure a picture in my mind of one of the turtles fighting a foot soldier. Yeah. In that antique shop. So you found that. If and you're, so then if you're, I found that very <laughs> picture. If you're, if you're playing at home, it's in the it, it's January, in the January February 1990 Nintendo Power. That's got Batman on the cover. Yeah, it's well, got, it's got the, the Joker, Joker on the cover, yeah, but Batman's real small, and the Joker's on the cover. But it's for that SunSoft Batman and game. That the came very out. last page, there's. <laughs> A players poll contest, yep. and the grand prize was to win tickets to the Ninja Turtles movie. Right. And the way that talks is like it—it's it, almost like the movie's out. The way yep. it kind of talks. Well, by the time you had that in your hand, the movie probably was out, right? It's like movie magazines would take a few months to sort of come together and you know they'd write stories they'd put together the layouts and then they'd print them and then they'd get them out to your stores and stuff and then you're in nick's case the mailboxes so if if you're looking at the february or january february issue you may not even get it until march and the movie came out in march uh like right around the end of march mm-hmm so you either saw that and were like holy crap because it's not like it says in there when it comes out yeah but I look at that picture, and if I saw that picture, I would be less concerned because it looks cool. It looks just like from the movie. Yeah. It's just it, Leonardo in his suit, and he's fighting a foot soldier, just like you said. And, and I, so I do remember, like, because this, I remember, was, like, the first exposure mm-hmm. to what the movie was going to look like for me. Yeah. And thinking, like, oh, my gosh, that looks so cool. It works. <laughs> I mean, the movie... The, the, the Henson, you know, we'll talk about more about it later, but this is just more about our, the preamble of, of, of leading up to this movie. So, and not to mention there had already been one highly popular, highly successful Ninja Turtle game out for the NES. And I think that came out in like 1988, 1989, had to have been 89. It could have been 88 because the show came out uh, yeah, I think the uh, the Nintendo Power that covered it was, I think, around, like, March, maybe, of 89. So, yeah, so the Konami game that came out that was really super hard, uh, not the arcade, which is just another thing that was sweeping. Like, by the time the movie came out, it had to have been probably the number one selling toy, probably the number one syndicated uh, cartoon. Uh, probably the greatest arcade of all time because that came out in 89. Mm-hmm. So probably the greatest arcade of all time was out and we were in love with. Uh, yeah, the NES game, uh, all, all the cereals and, you know, the, the snacks, all of it. The, the big blue totes filled with Ninja Turtle toys, the whole shebang. And in 1990... Just about six months after Batman, you get this just amazing low-budget movie that just worked. And we, that was another aspect of the trying to to piece together our memories, because I feel like we differ or remember things just a little differently, even when it comes to going to see the movie. Uh, Yeah, I was remembering the venue differently, and I think you were right. But yeah, I definitely I think we got it worked out, because the other thing too is, 
The TMNT2 Secret of the Use came out exactly a year after. And, and I do think my my memories were Ninja Turtle related. Yeah. Just different Ninja Turtle movies. I think it might have been a different Ninja Turtle movie. Because you were very adamant. Like, no, no, we saw it in a mall. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So at that time, there was only one mall with a movie theater. But it closed probably right after when that. But, Around the time that, but then when you were out. talking about it being at Showcase Cinemas, I'm like, you know what? I think you're right. Your mom took us. I will. I know she did. Well, that I, I, that I still don't remember. Ruth was there too because I remember when the movie ended because we were sitting by ourselves. He rose up. We were walking out and they were playing the T U like T U R T L E power. You know, like yeah. they're playing that as you're walking out. And your sister thought it was really cute that uh, Splinter, and he just done the line in the movie like, "I prefer Kawabunga." Like she thought that was cute. I remember she was like, "I'll have to ask that her quote. about that." Oh yeah, uh, but, would uh, you say Ruth has a better memory than you? Or mm, depends on <laughs> depends on the subject matter. Like okay. this Ninja Turtle thing, she may not remember. May not care at enough all. about it. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. But um, when when you said, though, it was at Showcase, a, a memory clicked, though, and I do remember, like, the windows at the theater were painted, uh, like, window paintings of the Ninja Turtles. I remember that now. And so I, I was and like, I oh, do okay, too. That, there's no way that, that. could have been a mall. Yep. So, yep. yeah. And that, that movie theater kind of had a history of doing things like yeah. that. The sort of that front area of, of, the, of the Cineplex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was such a weird place to see movies wasn't it i mean you you it was first of all it was like the only place to see a movie really there there was another where was a couple other places but they weren't the place you go to see the brand new movies the showcase had all the bigger screens and they they would have like 20 movies which was huge oh man it was like the theater to go to but the thing i remember most about showcase was just how big it was you know you you would First of all, it had that terrible. This and this is so. This is so how, how like, big it was, it. but they only seemed to use like half of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that changed over time. Um, but um, oh, I found this great article on like with this guy right before they were demolishing the showcase cinemas. He got full access to go in and take all these pictures, and he had access to people who had been working there like from the beginning. They're telling all these like really cool, great stories about how it was before you know we were ever seeing movies there uh just like in the you know the star wars days and the indiana jones days just before really we were old enough to kind of get in there and see those types of things in theaters you know we were (laughs) if we were seeing movies at all it would have been like et or uh i remember seeing richard Pryor's the toy in theaters (laughs) very very distinctly and loving that um but i I just dug it because it was like sectioned off you you'd get you know after you came in from the parking lot it had like the big concession stand area. And then there was like this long kind of walk and it was an aisle way. It was like a hallway, long hallway where they would always have movie posters. Mm-hmm. And then eventually you would get to the arcade, which was towards sort of at the end of that long walk. And I think when we were seeing movies, that was always where the new movies were playing right around that area. But I think there were two other bigger screens further up that they just stopped showing movies in altogether. I think it was a giant screen. Then they decided to cut it up and make they 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 kind of put a partition down the middle and made two smaller screens, but they weren't as popular. And this kind of shot themselves in the foot. But there used mm. to just be one huge screen. So I think they just kind of ended up closing that 
and going with those screens near that arcade. And that was like the main area. You, you remember the layout fairly well, right? You know that long hallway that I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. And I, I just have so many fond memories of walking down that hallway. It was like the hallway of your life. You'd see all these seminal movies in poster form walking by. Like I remember seeing like Big, Batman, you know, Jurassic Park, but, just all those posters. You you would walk into like this other like larger room that and you could look up and because there would be like an upstairs yeah. that never have gone. What was that upstairs about? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But I, I remember it's just like looking and it, it would be lined with movie posters also. Yeah. And I, I remember seeing posters like, you know, The Little Mermaid and just other things like that. Um, but it was obvious they weren't using it for films anymore. It was just kind of there. Yeah. But I guess they kept it up to date enough to where if you did wander over there, I mean, they didn't close it off. Just they didn't seem to ever be playing movies there. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I just loved having those memories of and we we probably had like a sleepover i bet in my head this is probably how it went big blue bag a duffel bag with turtles mm. that night we saw we 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 knew we were seeing the movie so we got the duffel bag of turtles and plus whatever you had had a big old turtle like that's another thing i don't really remember ever really playing with turtles i remember posing like you know putting their weapons together and kind of like, you would just oh, kind of yeah. check them out. You just kind of checked them out. Like I didn't Now I definitely play with my Joes and things like that. But by the time I got the turtles, I was really for more appreciating the character and just how splendid it looked because playmates had a style yeah, and they were very enjoyable toys and you know, and it was very nineties esque. Like they really, when I think of nineties toys, playmates, were they the ones also that made those food fighter figures? Because they had a similar kind of wild look to them. Do you remember those? I don't figures? remember that. The big hot dog. They, well, they were like oh, army. No, yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> they vaguely. were like army figures, yeah. but they were food. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and I, I do. I, I know what you mean as far as like that aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, it, almost like big, that kind of you know, gross out kind of aesthetic. There you go. That's it. That's a very 90s thing. It's just gross out. I know we've talked about 90s stuff in the past. 90s definitely had a style. You know, they really did with their comics and the way they were illustrated and with just how we were presented with things. Everything was really loud and extreme. <laughs> and, uh, you know, turtles were no different. And anyways, I, I feel like we've probably gone on and on. Maybe. And is, is there anything else that we had discussed? I really wanted to touch on, you know, the night before, which... We, you know, I think we kind of did. I don't remember the specifics of the sleepover. I don't know what we probably did. Probably played Mega Man or something. Yeah, I, I have no idea. Yeah, you <laughs> lying about beating Mega Man 2 again. <laughs> oh, you don't know how far I made it. You don't know. You know. You just know I didn't make it to the end. <laughs> I could tell from your re reaction when yeah, I got yeah. to the end that you haven't been this far. You said you beat it. You'll never, ever let me forget that. Ever, ever, ever. I could be the most oddest person on. I could be Abraham Lincoln, and you would be like, "Yeah, Abraham." But you remember when we were playing Mega Man? It's in seventh grade. Uh, but it's it's the TMNT movie, the nineteen ninety movie. It it's just it's one of my favorite movies of all time. It fits the theme of movies that I love. I have, you know, if you were listening to this uh, podcast from the beginning and you were seeing all the video components, you would know that I had certain movie posters 
you know, displayed in the back as, as Adam and I are talking about movies. And I just have a few certain posters that they are like my favorite movies. And it goes from the far left, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Love that movie. Is this in any particular order? No, it's not in any particular order. This is just the way they got hung. And I probably gave it some thought as I was hanging them, but more probably just by the way they looked and rank of, you know, more appreciation. Uh, the Avengers movie, which was, yeah, I've talked about that in the past. Like the Avengers movie is probably the like most recent movie that I saw that just blew me away. Just got like a special feeling watching it throughout. Uh, maybe Avengers Endgame or Infinity War matches it, but the first Avengers movie. So I, I include it. Uh, the TMNT movie, 1990. Spaceballs, uh, which we did the episode on already. Spaceballs? <laughs> oh, shit. Coming out of her nose. Batman 89, which I feel like is probably the single reason. Batman 89 is the, mo- the reason why I'm such a big cinephile. That was a big deal. Oh, my God. We're going to have to talk about Batman 89. Oh, uh, yeah. That's when, whenever we get story. to that, it's going to be a four-hour episode. <laughs> uh, that was, so such, that was enough about. of a big deal that it was a family movie night. We didn't go see movies very often, but we went yeah. and saw Batman. No, same, same. Uh, my family went and saw my, my mom, my brother. E.T. Uh, and Batman. That's, mm. that's all I really remember. I have a the very, family going to go see a movie. I have a very faint memory of seeing a Superman theaters it must have been the second one had to have been uh but that was a big deal too of course in fact it was just superman for the longest time and then along comes batman and then a few months later tmnt and i think those are the two best uh comic book adaptations you know, that got us to today. I mean, obviously today we're in a we're living in a truly living in a golden age of yeah. comic book movies. Every year there's like 10 of them, but Batman 89 and TMNT 90, just those two movies and being so close together and being such a formative, formative age really started getting to love movies. But after Batman 89 is back to the future, which, you know, is just, I think back to the future is the perfect movie. I don't, I could not find a thing wrong with that movie. A lot of movies, even the movies that I'm mentioning right now, there are things about those movies that I can admit. I'm looking past some of the things that, you know, are great. Not so much Indiana Jones or Avengers, but I, I see some things with TMNT 90 that are great. Spaceballs obviously is a personal favorite, but I really think back to the future is the perfect movie. Uh, and then Jurassic park, which, um, just in like, oh my God moments, Jurassic Park, I think provided the biggest, oh my God moment is when you first see the Stan Winston T-Rex. Oh yeah. Uh, but like that, I think that was the last time in my life. I think the, I think I appreciate the Avengers, the 2011, 2010, 2010. I don't know. Without looking it up. I, I think it's 2010, it. but it could be 2012. Now I think. But anyway, I think that that, that seeing that movie was the last time. Like I remember just being so enthralled with that movie. I never even opened my raisinets and ate them. Usually like I'm done with my raisinets before the end of the opening credits, you know, like I munch on them through the previews and whatever, you know, Maria Menounos is talking about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <For that. laughs> kind of talk about her. 
and I'm I'm out of Raisinets. You know, I'm already, I already have to pee because I've drank so much Coke. But with that, I remember just like I was like gripping my Raisinets. They were melted. I was generating so much heat from being so overwhelmed with amazement that I, I, I melted. I think it was so amazing just the whole build up to the Avengers. How oh, you know yeah. just. Iron Man and just all the different movies that built up to the Avengers. A plus. They could not have done a better job. It's the blueprint to this day that no one else can get right. Those first like five or six movies are, I mean, they, and they have improved on it ever since, but uh, it's the thing. It's the thing that I'm sure Warner Brothers just looks at and go, why can't we do this? Why can't we do this? We have just as much money. We have just as interesting of IP. Why can't we do what Marvel's doing over there? It just it it blows my mind. It's something I can talk about for hours and hours and hours on end. Uh, but that that is sort of our special connection. That that is this movie. Uh, I, I can't help but associate the movie with our friendship. Can't help it. Uh, and the movie I think just holds up great. It you know we watched it what? before the recording just kind of again. And I was just as entertained by it. I find uh, it interesting, though, that you do like it so much, yet you are not as familiar with those roots of yeah. where this movie really came from. Yeah. I think that's why I like it even more, if I'm honest with you. It's like a friend, a close friend, my best friend, you know, introduced that to me. And I think that's cool. Like, yeah, you could look at it like, wow, it's surprising they're on that you didn't know about this. I mean, because even today, uh, you know, because you are more familiar with the cartoon. Yeah, 100%. You were all about the cartoon. Yes. And it's all whereas, like, it's when all we mentioned before that I went back and kind of looked at those old original comics yeah. and saw where they came from. And so then, so when the movie came out, I recognized that as, oh my gosh, this is like literally, or, or actually it's really like a mishmash of a couple stories from the old comics, but mm-hmm. most of it is like that very first issue. Yeah. And uh, it's like I, I was about to say, even today, uh, there were a couple things where I was even explaining it to you today. Well, oh, well, that comes from the comic. Yeah, yeah I was trying to, because you, you had those handful of issues that you recently even let me borrow so I could look at that I really only kind of looked at. Yeah, those graphic one. novels. Those graphic novels that you let you lent me when we did that episode that I was mentioning before on Big Geek about mm-hmm. Ninja Turtles. Actually, you know, we, we would always sort of pull together our things and show them in the YouTube video, like, hey, this is I still have this thing. And it was just a fun little way to sort of talk about it and show it off. Like I still have this. And you had that, and I was like, I remember those. I totally remember being in middle school and just being so surprised that the thing that I loved, this silly show that had some good Originated from such a dark, bloody, violent parody of Marvel comic. Like, it's a parody of a lot of it's a parody of Daredevil and the hand, the foot, and... Just you know, Eastman and Laird. They 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 share the same origin as Daredevil. They do. They really do. But even then, totally oblivious. 
uh, Daredevil fans might have saw that and just thought, this is the stupidest thing in the world. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? And it's like, it's just Daredevil, but they're doing it so stupid. They just, they talk about pizza all the time. Like, I, I can't well, and, and the pizza thing is the cartoon. It's I totally mean, the cartoon. They, they may have, like, you know, had a pizza at some point in the comics, <laughs> but there was never, like, the love like the cartoon did. We, we've we both seen those sort of the toys that made us type documentaries, and I love watching those because you get sort of these fun little uh, interviews, and, and, and they do it in such an entertaining way. You, but you do also actually learn quite a bit and to know that, you know, it came from, you know, the graphic novels and it was gory and it had a cult following. And then why they just decided like, Hey, this is cool, but let's give them silly personalities and different colors. Let's make a well, kid's show out of this. Yeah. And let's silly. <laughs> let's give that one a purple bandana. He's that's non-threatening and we'll make him kind of nerdy and, uh, you know, they, they uh, had these like you know the, the colored bandanas is it was kind of ingenious to differentiate them because they all looked exactly the same. They, they didn't all have even, the red bandanas because I mean, you know they've even differentiated them further the... now. Like you know, Mikey's usually shorter now. Yes, Raph is usually got like a chip in his. Over shell time, or they get even more and distinctly different. Donatello's usually taller now, yeah. and, and so now even if you didn't have the colors now, you can tell them apart now. Right. There was, they just looked exactly the same back in the day. I remember having that aha moment because the NES box art had the all red bandana turtles. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is really an interesting thing to do when you consider the only reason the thing is getting made is because of the popularity of the cartoon and the toys. And they chose to pick that art, which, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying that that image that they did for the, um, Box art was just lifted from the but graphic novel. Even really, the representation of the characters in the game, I mean, they did add the colors, yeah. you know, like the orange for Mikey and whatever. But, like, if you look at the sprite for Splinter, he looks like he does in the comic, not the cartoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, now but I know they, that and, for sure. But then they've got, it's it's a mixture, though, because uh-huh. they've got Bebop and Rocksteady in the game, and they are not in the comics. Well, that's why I think the movie was so successful, is it really did kind of, it, it gave you these, it, it was true to the comic, but they didn't, you know, they didn't want to alienate the kids who were there to see the movie in the first place. So they did adopt the personalities and the colors and the love for pizza especially. And I mean, it was just such a great decision, like so many decisions. And there were so many, like, like this movie could have gone so horribly wrong so many times. Uh, and it's not like they had a big budget. Like a lot of times nowadays, if you have a movie like Ninja Turtles, you know, you, you could tag on like another 15, 20, 30, 40 million in your budget just because you go back and make a few little changes that you got to reshoot, just skyrocketing the budget. There wasn't nothing like there was no time, no money for reshoots or anything. And in fact, the only time the guy tried to make some extra money, he got kicked off the movie. So such a weird thing. Like so, and so many decisions were made to get to this final project, but it all worked. It, the meddling actually didn't hurt it for a change. It actually made it maybe stronger. So, you know, that that's just sort of mine and yours personal take on this movie. 
uh, did, did I, did I miss anything? Like I really wanted to make sure I hammered home a couple of those points, the personal touch. And then, you know, we can just talk about the movie itself and like the things about the movie that we liked. But it was important to me to get you to do this episode so that we could just sort of talk about all the extra things that mean so much to me. Like why a movie like TMNT meant so much to people our age. Because uh, it was actually a quality attempt to make a movie that, and, and movies after, that came after it for years were just such poor attempts. Like why didn't they follow the TMNT blueprint more? Well, yeah, and I mean, I really appreciate the movie for trying to be true to the source they didn't do that for a long time now they do it now they do it but for 15 20 years they wouldn't oh they'd give you a taste they'd give you a taste of the of the source but they would make it up completely yeah and sure they uh, they they it was true to the source the comics uh but they still gave you those things like you say that the kids are familiar with though, right. like um, like April O'Neil. Like if they is a totally went comic, it would have been a disaster because yeah. those first kids would have seen it and go, "I, it, it kind of scared me." <laughs> like really, it's so dark. Well, not really, just like the whole like darkness and the turtles were basically assassins to take <laughs> out Shredder. But yeah, uh, when you were explaining that to me, and my mind was a bit blown. <laughs> like, oh no, they're. In the movie, they're just sort of meeting like kind of was like a coincidence, but no, no, they they are they exist to kill Shredder, basically to hunt and kill Shredder. Yeah, basically the, that first issue of the comic, that's their whole deal is uh, Splinter trained them to. He seized an opportunity. Kill yeah, he had these mutated turtles. Oroko Saki, Oroko Saki, and that, but a lot of that lore I learned from the movie. Yeah, because I don't feel like they went all and, that and in they depth they in the kept. They kept that Splinter was actually a rat that mutated and not Hamato Yoshi himself. Like the cartoon made Splinter a mutated That's right. Hamato Yoshi. It kind of muted him, mutated him. The animation was like from but, him yeah. as a man to a rat. The original comic, uh, Splinter was Hamato Yoshi's pet rat. Mm, it's interesting. I never really thought about it like that. That's that's a pretty cool point. But, and like I was saying, starting to say earlier that they kept that April O'Neil was a news reporter because in the original comics she was Baxter Stockman's assistant. Oh yeah. So she was Baxter Stockman's assistant slash an antiquities. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, she because uh, uh, that was yeah that was like the question you were asking today. It's like why are yeah. they in an antique shop all of a sudden? Well, I just never thought about that, it. That's where she lived. Like, yeah, yeah. it was the, her, I guess, father's antique shop, and right. she lived above it. And, I, uh, I just chalk it up to being a not very perceptive kid, I guess. But, I mean, I'd seen that movie. You just don't think about it. The movie really just kind of makes you go, Duh, I'm watching this awesome thing. Yeah, that, that just comes straight out of the comics. None of that was ever in the cartoon. Okay. All right, well, um, I guess we'll just, Adam, if you're editing this, we'll probably just go ahead and end our segment right there. Um, and then we'll, well I, I was explaining to Nick, we'll, what we'll probably do is um, when you're available, we'll sort of record our intro, like we normally do the housekeeping with the numbers. And then um, we'll, we'll sort of go into like me and Nick. Like I'll, I'll kind of like try to do a transition 
in the intro or like, well, like Nick, now I'll turn to you. This is, you know, this is why you're here. I want to talk about these things. And then after we do that, then we'll just jump to, um, uh, the ending we'll just sign off on the show. So yeah, we'll, we'll, I'm going to go ahead and end right here. Oh, wow. We talked about 45 minutes. That's a lot of stuff. <laughs> all right, Adam, hopefully, uh, when you're hearing this, first of all, I love you. You're awesome. <laughs> you're a cool dude and you're a good dad because you're doing, you know, stuff for your kid right now. That's why you're late. I respect that. Talk to you later. Oh, but uh, one more thing. I want to, oh. uh, uh, mind. Nick's, Nick's got another thing. Oh uh, yeah. One more thing, uh, as far as like the comparisons with the comics and, and the cartoons is the way shredder looked, uh, you know, cause we're familiar with, you know, he had that like, purple outfit in the cartoon, but he's got yes. this red outfit in the comics. Well, that's really how he looked. I mean, it wasn't really so shiny, kind of. You know, the the red was kind of. It was sequiny. It, yeah, it was kind of glittery looking. And I, I, don't, I don't know about that. Like something Prince might wear at but, a concert. But yeah, it, it was red in color like that, yeah. though, and not purple. So, you know, that's from the comics. I'm telling you, man, that the director fought hard to, to keep. His vision were those episodes, those arcs, not episodes, those arcs and the issues. That's what he wanted. They had a script. They were ready to go with that script. He comes on board, makes a few changes with, you know, being mainly the, the stuff pulled straight from the pages of the comic. And then there you have it. That's the movie that we ended up with. And there's that one in the middle of the movie. There's the basically uh, Raphael gets hurt yep. and, and they go to the farmhouse. That That's like a whole story in the comics. Only it wasn't Raphael. It was Leonardo. Yeah, for some reason they decided to change it and make it Raphael. Yeah, and uh, but I don't care. Mostly though, (laughs) it's all it's it's a mixture of the very first issue and that kind of that storyline where uh, Shredder returns and Leonardo was was injured. It's kind of a mixture of those two stories. Adam, what what was your sort of relationship with this movie? Now, you you were kind of like the target audience, probably. Oh, absolutely. At, what you, what were you like? Maybe I, seven or eight? I was seven when this movie came out. Yeah, and I had just turned so, seven. Uh, let's see, this came out in March. I had just turned seven in February. Do you even remember or have any sort of vague memory of? being excited for this movie to come out or did you see it in theaters oh yes yes this was <laughs> this was uh because uh go uh, you know i've said before ghostbusters was my first big thing and that's why ghostbusters always has like a huge place in my heart because as a kid you know real ghostbusters cartoon and the ghostbusters movies i was obsessed i had everything i had all the toys i had clothes sheets everything was ghostbusters but then in 1987, when the cartoon and the toys come along, Teenage Mutant Turtles was the only thing that really gave Ghostbusters a run for its money. So I was heavily invested in the cartoon and <laughs> and that whole the whole world that was created, which was it's different, you know. It's and it's it's funny going back to it now because you know, like when we started, you know, in 2008 with the MCU, I grew up. I mean, a huge Marvel kid. And so when you start putting like, you know, MCU level movies and I'm not, that's not to discount like the Spider-Man movies from earlier in the 2000, but like you get to the MCU. Those were important. Those, those were, were big important. movies. 
Well, you get to yeah. the, the beginning of the MCU and you really start seeing like re, I mean like the kind of the that level of of quality movies come to the screen you're like, "Whoa, this is way different than the cartoons that I watched when I was a kid." This is you know, this is like real. So like the same kind of thing when I was a kid. It's like you're I'm used to the cartoons, you know, a little bit, you know, they're goofy, uh, selling toys, but I, but it, like you said, I'm the target audience. And then you get to the movie and you're like, "Oh, dude, these are like legit. Uh, I mean, like this isn't cartoony. This isn't. I mean, this is. I mean, they're. This is hardcore. And we were. I mean, like me and my friend, like we were all about it. We. I mean, uh, you know, if anything, it only encouraged us to try and hit each other with sticks harder. Mm-hmm. Like you're outside <laughs> playing, you're like, all right. Oh, we definitely played Ninja Turtles yeah. Yeah. big time. Yeah. We we had some wooden weapons. Try to yeah, know, make, like the uh, ham days. They had uh, like a little kind of flea market kind of thing. We we bought. I got like a wooden side, and I think yeah. maybe you got. I think I got a side too. Honestly, oh, did you same yeah. thing? Okay, oh, that might have been all they had. Because <laughs> I mean, they're not going to have a bow staff probably. I ended up breaking mine on a stick. <laughs> You hit a little too hard. I hit too hard. I mean, I was, those were pretty sturdy, honestly. You must have really whacked it. Good. Yeah, well, I, I was, I was like chopping sticks in half with it, and and I think that I got a stick that was maybe a little too thick, and right. it broke. Oh, how heartbroken were you in that moment? Yeah, that that this, you know, it's funny. I, I like what you said that you know, like this is legit. Um. Like Hollywood and movie, the movie business, and taking uh, IP from things we love from our childhood and and not doing a good job with them. Um, I was remembering with Nick's like when when you think of comic book movies, it was Superman. That was it. You had Superman in the late seventies, and then you had a couple sequels that sort of like covered the early eighties. But even the Superman movies, the first one, great. The second one, a mixed bag, but mostly great. A lot of people look at that movie as like their favorite Superman movie. Uh, three, whoa, we're kind of falling going off the rails a little bit with Richard Pryor. Uh, and then four was a Golden and Globus of like the the you know the company that makes movies on the cheap. They saw like Superman four as sort of their ticket to the big time. And they really gambled, and they spent money that they don't normally spend on movies, and it was a huge bomb. And they just lost their asses because of that movie, and and then over the top, the Sylvester Stallone. That probably I'm gonna. This is a controversial statement, but probably the greatest movie about arm wrestling ever made. Over the top, sorry, Sylvester Stallone. But they I, gave him I a huge payday. Would, would, I mean, would do would you dispute that, Adam? Do you, can you think no, of a I, better I, I arm wrestling? I stand by that wholeheartedly. <laughs> I know you were always talking about the, how that is the greatest arm wrestling movie of all time. You won't stop talking about it, Frank. Oh, because I, you too, Nick. I mean, I know how much you always say this arm wrestling movie is great, but it's not as good as the one they made back in 1986. They still can't get it right. Oh, that's that's why I started. Like anytime I was doing something, you're like, we're like, oh man, I'm starting to struggle with it. You just take your hat. And you turn it yeah. backwards. And you turn it backwards, yeah. And it's and you flip the switch. And you just tap into a power that you didn't even realize you had. Oh my gosh! You I'm become sorry. a soup. You're like a superhero. It's all of a sudden. I just reserve you're Popeye with your can of spinach just yes. by simply turning a hat. You turn the hat around, and there's this reserve of just sheer might 
tyranny of will <laughs> that you just employ uh, in whatever it is that you're doing. And I never, I didn't realize that until until Sylvester Stallone showed me. It was you never forget the moment that you learned how to get that reserve power yeah. by turning your hat around in your mo. Like I've used that to save my kids uh, who are trapped in a car overturned car. Uh, I was like, how am I going to lift these, this car, this, this heavy car? And then I remembered, and I just happened to be wearing a hat regularly on me at that moment. Thank God I had it. Cause I just turned it around and flipped oh, the I'm switch and I just kind of kicked it off. You know, <laughs> like I didn't even lift it. I just sort of flicked it off. You know, I, it was great. I ripped the front door off of our house, just clean off. <laughs> I didn't even. And I didn't even mean to. I just. You I, forgot. I, you forgot, yeah. right? Because you turned the hat around. Yeah. I was like, oh. <sighs> and you just ripped it off, like clean off, and like just it landed across the street. Oh, I have no idea where like, it went. It went sailing. I mean, it was <laughs> blocks away. It, I don't know how many incidents happen a year. You constantly hearing it on the news. Yeah. People forgetting about their hats backwards. I mean, thanks thanks to Ken Griffey Jr., a lot of people got hurt. Yeah, um, you know, on the baseball field, just you know, oh. they had to they had to outlaw uh, steroids and backwards baseball caps in yeah. baseball. Nearly ruined the sport. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's <laughs> why there was back, that first strike. Yeah, of, uh, yeah. It was the it was the backwards baseball strike. Oh, the, the hat. <sighs> Um, but I like that the, there's a there's an authenticity that happened in, you know, like you had the Superman movies, but you had after that, uh, Howard the Duck, which should have been this big, huge movie. It was like the next big George Lucas thing. And you had, you know, they, they did they did their best. I mean, what can I say? It was like 86. They did their best. They had the little guy in the Howard costume and it just didn't look great. Uh, but then, oh. Speaking of Golden Globus, those guys, the He-Man, the Masters of the Universe movie, they pulled their pants down and took a big, heaving, <laughs> steaming pile of shit all over He-Man with that movie. Now, I'm not saying it's not entertaining. I've seen it recently, and it's a fun watch. But it, if you're a He-Man fan, wow. Like, what the hell? Not, why would you do that? So that, that was sort of a big failure. It's a, but then you got Batman 89. But even leading up to Batman 89, even though we didn't have the internet, we still knew that Michael Keaton was going to be Batman, and nobody wanted that. Nobody. Way more people wanted Adam West as Batman than Michael Keaton, but he got to be Batman, and then, you know, the rest is history. Right after that, TMNT, which was in, you know, I think a lot of people just assumed that that movie got greenlit because of the success of Batman, but they were actually being made at the same time. So you had this amazing one-two punch of Batman and TMNT, and they were pretty... I mean, Batman, you know, had a style. It's Tim Burton. I didn't know anything about Batman comic books. I just loved that movie. And then, of course, you had the great series that came out a few years later, That you know, from the, the animated series. But to, to know, to under... Like, Nick, you said, you knew they were making a movie is a live action movie and all that had to be racing through your head. Oh my God. They're going to, this is going to suck. How is this going to work? Why wouldn't they just make this an animated movie? Why are they making this live action version? It's not yeah. going to work. It, yeah. It just, I just remember just it, worrisome, you know, being just worried. Like I, I can't, 
picture this. I cannot visualize this. How yeah. is this going to work? Yeah. Um, but it did. I, there's a couple moments in my life where something happened. I was waiting. I feel like they kept the, the, the look of the turtles fairly secret. I remember the trailer a little bit. I, the, you know, like the scene where, where Shredder's walking in. And there's, it's like the long hallway in the shadow, and it's like, you know, it's a real serious moment. I'm pretty sure that was in the trailer. I remember the turtles popping up out of the sewer. Like, they didn't even make the movie, but they actually filmed it, and, like, the turtle shells are popping up out of the water. Uh, but I, I feel like not until the movie came out where they started showing what the turtles look like, because they teased us. In, in the opening of the movie, you see, um, first of all, uh, they save the day, right? It, well, I'm, now I'm trying to remember the movie. I just watched it. I guess the point I'm, gonna do, I'm trying to get to is when you see the turtles first, they jump out from out of nowhere. Like, you hear them. They're talking about the fight they just had, and they're in the sewer. And then, like, out of nowhere, all of them jump out. The, the like, logo, I think, appears. And you yeah. actually get a look of the four turtles all together at once. And being, I was instantly relieved. Because they looked so good. It was similar to when Transformers, the first Michael Bay Transformers, was really similar. Like they didn't, they were kind of keeping under their hat how the Transformers were going to look. Mm-hmm. And when you saw that, it wasn't, was it Soundwave, the helicopter? Well, uh, it was supposed to be Soundwave, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. Uh, what did they call him? Blackout or something, Blackout. I think. Yeah. yeah. But when he lands at the base and does that initial transforming, oh. That was pretty baller it was epic now yeah. the 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 series that was the height i think of the of the movie basically and it was a slow gradual downhill to the last night or whatever that last movie was <laughs> so bad uh, the only time i've ever really heard nick curse in public we, we don't speak of that movie <laughs> such a bad movie uh, but I, I think of those two moments, this, the part where the turtles jump out, they jump into view for all of us to see, and that first transforming sequence uh, with Blackout in the, in the Michael Bay Transformers movie. Like I remember both times just kind of breathing a sigh. Like, I, my, the thing that I love is being handled with care, and I can now sit back and enjoy this movie and not be so critical of it. Like I can enjoy it. Those suits made by Jim Henson's Creature Shop are so good even now. They totally... Well, they're kind of deteriorating now. Oh, well, yeah, and I didn't mean, like, actually now. But, I mean, to see the movie, it's still, like, holds up really well. It looks good, yeah. Maybe the reason there's not, like, a 4K transfer is because if they make it look any better, it's going to be, like, you're going to see how not Except for that one scene where you can see down Donatello's Donatello's throat and see the eyeballs. (laughs) That's horrifying. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen that. It's horrifying. Never want to see that. Um, But I, I have done some research, and I do know a thing or two just from reading oral histories and just little um, YouTube videos that people put out there where they actually get some interviews with some of the original content creators. Like Brian Henson is very open to talking about this movie. This was, I, it probably was his first big thing. Because even though Jim Henson, they, you know, he had to kind of give it his seal of approval. And from what I understand, he wasn't initially sold on uh, being involved with making the Ninja Turtles. 
Um, I think he was a little worried that like it's to be too violent and that it might yeah. diminish the sort of legacy of uh, Jim Henson as Creature Shop. Because if you think Jim Henson was just a, like a hippie, really, you know, he was mm-hmm. very. I mean, he had to have been on acid or doing drugs when he made the Dark Crystal for starters. But you know, he he worked on Muppets. It was Muppets. Like he doesn't want to see people stabbing each other with his creations. And uh, you know, getting his son to sort of be—I mean, Brian Henson was a second-tier director. I think he was like a director of the second unit. He was really hands-on making this movie. And I got the feeling uh, from just watching some of the things that I found, he's very, very proud of the Ninja Turtles and how it kind of—I bet you it was. I don't know this. I'm just sort of you know speculating, but it probably was sort of like his proof to his dad like hey i can do this too you know like look what i did that those turtles i think are like the height of henson they look so good the movie only had a 13 and a half million dollar budget and i bet all of it went to the turtle suits (laughs) like every bit of it um they made i think eight suits they had the four uh what they called hero suits worn by the actors who weren't stuntmen um they, they weren't the voices except for Raphael but they, the you know the the four actors that they cast who be wearing the suits and be puppeting by the Jim Henson company like they 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 basically had the rubber suit and all these like little motors in the head and rem- by remote control they're puppeting the mouth and eyes it's like a team of puppeteers working together with actors who can't see anything because they're in these suits and you know like one guy is you know motioning and gesturing with his body and then you have another guy who's sort of working the lips and the mouth and then you have another person blinking the eyes and just doing all the great emoting that makes you believe that these turtles are just not a special effect or a dude in a rubber suit I still forget. I I watch this movie even to this day and I just buy it. I just go, those are Ninja Turtles. They are the Ninja Turtles in real life. And it's a magic trick. It's, it's just the kind of thing that Henson's company was known for all along. And they just, it was Jim Henson's last thing, I think before he died. And I had no idea that Elmo was splinter. Yeah. Kevin clash. Yeah. A young Kevin Clash who wasn't, yeah, he wasn't famous for being Elmo yet. Did the the voice acting and the puppeteering for uh, Splinter. Yeah, I'm not really sure when Elmo came out. I'm not that, either. That'd be something to look Some, up. Sometime but, uh, in the maybe mid-90s would be my guess. Um, so you saw it as a kid. We were, we were all pretty impressed by this. What happened to superhero movies, though? Once, because, you know, if Batman got other people willing to spend money to make these comic book movies. Turtles was just like, okay, now we really got to go. And I'm trying to think of the list of movies that came out that were based on comic properties. It's funny. They weren't thinking, let's get GI Joe. Let's get transformers. They were like, let's get Dick Tracy. (laughs) Yeah. Let's get the phantom. Let's get, let's do the Adams family. Like all of these, if you think about the 90s and the movies that came out after this, 
The Flintstones. The Flintstones, yes. Super Mario Brothers. Uh, the Street Fighter movie. I mean, just all these. But but the thing is, not that good. Just sort of half assing it, and I hate. I hate it, and Mar- you know the MCU Marvel fixed it with their whole like with Iron Man basically. Well, well, Iron Man. It was like permanently set in motion. I really, you could look back to Spider Man that you know the the Tobey Maguire Spider Man and X Men from two thousand. Those two movies really sort of brought it back because all throughout the nineties, I mean, there was a good Batman sequel and Batman Returns and okay with Batman Forever, but I mean, there's just so many really subpar movies, and they're subpar because the creators just didn't respect the source material. And, you know, Steve Barron, when they were coming up with the idea for this movie, he was the guy who just kept staying true. He just, you know, he was, nobody was going to let him, n- knock him off of his vision for this movie. And he, he stuck with it to the bitter end. And, you know, because from what I understand, <laughs> it's so funny. That, like, this movie, was it like Gallagher's agent? who uh, reached out initially to, uh, well, though they bought the movie rights. Like, they bought it, and then they were trying to shop around some ideas, and the craziest thing I heard was, hey, let's get Sam Kinison and Bobcat Goldwaif and a handful of other comics who were kind of big, I guess, in the late 80s, and actually paint them green, and that was going to be your live action. Like, they weren't even thinking oh, wow. animated with... What? It, it was going to be wild. And that's when uh, Bobby Herbeck came along and sort of came up with the script that was able to convince Peter uh, Laird and Kevin Eastman that this can be done. You know, like, they're, they're already millionaires, I guess, at this point with the toys and the breakfast cereals and the show the syndication deals and Ninja Turtles is like the hottest, like they're in parades, you know, like they're just the hottest thing ever and they're just going to keep getting richer. But it's just interesting that they signed off on a script. I don't really know much about that script, but it wasn't until, you know, Steve Barron came along and said what Nick was saying. Like, I see this story. I think we just take the panels. That's our storyboard. Let's just take a couple of story arcs from those old graphic novels, and that's going to be our movie. And they sort of took, they took that, and they incorporated the things that made the Turtles mega popular with kids. They took the two of them and made this just perfect kind of omelet of all of those things together and made the TMNT. Like, it's, it's kind of dark. Uh, it's, well, it's very dark, really. And I mean, just the look of it's dark. Uh, it looks like a graphic novel. Bravo to those guys for sticking with that. Yeah, because really very little of it was unique for the movie. Um, like the the whole, um, you know, kids, teenagers being recruited for the Foot Clan mm-hmm. was unique for the movie. Uh, the character of Tatsu was unique for the movie. That actually surprised me. I was thinking he had to have been in the original graphic novel. The rest was... He didn't just grunt. Mostly, uh, yeah. (laughs) Mm, mm, Go play! (laughs) Master Shredder. Mm, Master Shredder. (laughs) 
But uh, yeah, it, most of it was the comics with yeah. a splash of the cartoon. Yeah, the love of pizza, the personality. Mikey's very Mikey, like from the cartoon. Um, I mean, it was perfect, and I, I just love that you took this team of like puppeteers and actors. Yeah, you had your hero shot, but you also had your uh, action shot turtles, which were basically the rubber suit turtles, but just their faces didn't animate and emote. They didn't have like the 20 pounds of servo motors and controls hiding in the shell. It was just like a single face, you know, and they're usually like snarling. Those are all the shots you see of like the impressive martial arts. And those are like the Hong Kong dudes from Golden Harvest. As I said, you know, like the Golden Harvest was known for Jackie Chan movies and Bruce Lee movies. Uh, if you look at like the top grossing Golden Harvest movies, if you just like go do a Google search or something for it, it's like a bunch of Hong Kong, like these martial arts movies and Cannonball Run. <laughs> it's it's Enter the Dragon and and, you know, uh, all the Jackie Chan, like Super Cop, uh, Cannonball Run one and two and Ninja Burt Turtles Reynolds. one and two. <laughs> just like a bunch of kung fu, like Chuck Norris movies too. The house that Jackie and Bert built. That's right. If if New Line was the house that Freddie built, then Golden Harvest was the house that Chuck Norris built. <laughs> that's that's one of the things that's kind of funny for me is like, you know, we've gone back. Uh, it was a couple years ago in the Spooktacular when we did. Uh, uh, was it Freddie three or four? It's three, wasn't three. it? Three. Yeah, we yeah. did Freddy Three, and so I've 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 watched through the whole series a couple of times, but I did it then, yeah. and it's so funny to me now because it's like I, I can't I can't unsee it, but every time I see New Line, regardless of what I'm watching, my brain automatically just the first thing is like, "Are you watching Turtles?" Yeah, because like that's that, just what that is for me. Da, 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 yeah, da, with the film strip, that's a great logo and a great intro. It's a classic. For for being like the new kid on the block, New Line really kind of like made yeah. their mark. They made a big splash. Yeah, there there's a few movies that I, I am that way with seeing the logo, uh, like Columbia Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters. Yeah. Uh, Fox Star Wars. Oh yeah, the fanfare with Star Wars, absolutely, hundred uh, percent. Also, Indiana Jones is that the Paramount, the Mountain, I think. Oh yeah, uh, I think they kind of show yeah the with the look. stars kind of yeah. coming around. I like I like how Paramount uses their little mountain. Like they do a lot. They did a lot with the Transformers and stuff too. And in the Sonic, they'll do like the sound effects yeah. of whatever it is yeah. they're doing for that particular movie. Gotta love Paramount for taking our childhood and making movies out of them. <laughs> like that's kind of what they're for now. That's just really it. Mm -hmm. um, oh crap! What were we talking about? What was what was the last thing we were talking about before Nick chimed in? Well, one of the, one of the things that one of the things I will say, because I think you know, it, you, even just you know, with you bringing up some of those other kind of like you know, those as you know, we progressed through the '90s and they just started kind of cherry picking, you know, properties. It was like, here, let's turn this into a movie. Let's turn this into a movie. Yeah, I think one of the things I mean that you really got to give the turtles credit for is because you know you have the original source material you've got you've got these graphic novels which is clearly caters to a more mature audience i was like i know it was a little bit tongue-in-cheek and how they you know like oh let's make them ninjas and turtles and you know like some of it was a was a spoof but like the subject material was 
was not geared towards kids, but then you have this cartoon. So you have two very distinct audiences for the same uh, intellectual property. And then you, you put together a movie that really does marry that in a thoughtful way that caters to both audiences. Like, I mean, kids really yeah. loved it, but it, you know, yeah. when you watch it, it's like, it isn't, I mean, you know, there's, there's fighting sequences and I know they take the weapons out of the second one and, you know, cause how oh, we can't, but I was like, even in that, like the violence isn't, you know, overt. It's not, you know, it's, it's not meant to be like, okay, this is just a really violent movie. We're going to cater violence but, to kids. By the way too, Adam, it wasn't just, you know, action figures of the movie. Like they, they did that with the cartoon as well. Like, yeah, I remember distinctly, like Michael, Michelangelo would have his nunchucks and then all of a sudden now he's doing all of his fighting with like a grappling hook. Yeah. All yeah. of a sudden he just had that rope. Yeah. He's like a rope with a hook on it. Like what? Yeah. How dare you take his nunchucks for this? Well, stuff? and that was because that was the, that was the thing, you know, the, the uh, animated series, you know, it's it started out with its original cast of characters and, you know, and, and the original set of action figures. But then it kind of, you know, they took a page out of that He-Man book where it's like, every time we throw a new character in here, that's a new action figure we can sell. And so you've got that real, I mean, like, because especially when you get into the second one and you get into a lot of the other 90s uh, movies that they converted cartoons or other properties into films, a lot of it really was the merchandising was a was a major piece of it going into it and i like that that was missing from the turtles because i feel like that didn't take away from what the movie was like they made the movie and it really was because you know especially when you go back and you watch it as an adult it's like okay there's there's some really meaningful heartfelt scenes there's some i mean there's some real emotion to what's going on here I was like, I mean, yeah. and it's one of those things. It's 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 leveled in a way that like those sequences later in the film where you know Leo's really wrestling with his inner turmoil over you know Splinter and all of those things is like you. I mean, it, the whole brotherly rivalry yeah. between Leo and Raph like, and hits, really kind of it hits a little bit of a lull a for your your younger audience, but not so much that you, you tune out. Like that was the thing. It was like it never got to be. It was like, okay, I'm bored with this. I don't care anymore. Like. It, so it was like it did that really well to where you've got you've got the turtles and they're and they they did a really great job because I think when you you know you fast forward to the more recent one we've had was it 2014 when they remade them yeah um, the Michael Bay produced movies yeah it's like yeah. I mean they they were they were fun but they were I mean but it, it really it was like they they always they always do that where it's like you overinflate. <laughs> I like, really rejected the design of the turtles. Yeah, hard, <laughs> but because they wanted I to be. By the time they got around to the second movie, they actually were really trying to include all of the characters that yeah. we were hoping they would. Uh, Nick and I, would, you know, both share the thought of remembering. Oh wow! Okay, so the the first Ninja Turtles movie wasn't super cartoon like, but they're making a new one. And I think they're going to have Bebop and Rocksteady in it yeah. this time. We knew there were a couple of mutant creatures that the turtles were going to have to fight. Bebop and Rocksteady. It's got to be Bebop and Rocksteady. Nope. Token Razor. Yep. <laughs> Who are these Babies. <laughs> they're babies. <laughs> I'm pretty sure even when I was a kid, I laughed out loud when they, we did that. Yeah. It was like, what a weird response. Ah, oh, babies. <laughs> but they did give us vanilla ice. Absolutely. Absolutely. We got the ninja rap, thank God. Um but 
Yeah, uh, that you can definitely tell that more of the cartoon side was poking out for the sequel. Yeah. And, you know, the 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 director, again, I say he's a hero, Steve Barron. There were a lot of people that were pulling him and trying him to make it another movie. They wanted it to be brighter. They hated how dark it was. They did not like that. Uh, but it really was, I think, important to kind of hide the seams of the costumes and the parts where they had to glue on like it's 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 kind of funny like those suits when they put the head on they had to glue the head on and you would just literally have to rip it off every time the actors came out of it really wild stuff and like from what i understand those suits were really crazy uncomfortable something like 40 pounds but when they filmed the movie in in north carolina in the sweltering heat with sweat, those suits could get up to 70 pounds. Oof. They had to construct little areas for the actors to just sort of comfortably stand uh, in between takes and stuff. Like, they just really couldn't get comfortable in those suits. And they malfunctioned all the time, apparently. In North Carolina, I think they were shooting near some, like, an airport. So, like, the remote controls were constantly, like, causing the mouths to spaz out. There's a few funny pictures you can find online of like Donatello's Matt, like just his all, only teeth showing. And he's just like, <laughs> his mouth is just pointed up. It probably was hilarious if you saw it, but really frustrating. I'm sure as a filmmaker on a, a small budget, they had no money for anything. Like they had so many other plans. There were a lot of storyboards that they intended to shoot also taken straight from the comic that we just never got because they ran out of money. Um, and one of the sad things I hated about this movie, I my initial research, research showed that when the movie was shown, especially to Playmates, the makers of the toys, uh, they had to show Playmates the, the final product. You know, already a huge business. A lot was riding on this movie. And Playmates hated this movie so much, like with a fiery passion. They hated it. They thought it was terrible. And they were convinced that it was going to ruin the toy fr- like series, the franchise. It's why you never got like a good toy of the movie until much later. And even then, when they kind of like made movies from the mold of the second Turtles, like they didn't look it right. I mean, it wasn't until NECA came around 20 years later and they actually made some real good turtle figures from the movie. Right, Nick? Am I, am I remembering uh, that wrong? There, there was movie-style figures. I mean, they came out later on, but yeah. from the Playmates line that had that kind of rubbery kind of skin, that they were a bit, cool. A I bit, liked them. A bit. I mean, sure, they're not as nice looking as but the yeah, NECA. You look, I mean, nothing's going to be... You're looking at, like, my figures. Yeah. They look nothing like oh, that. Oh, yeah, <laughs> they, they, they look nothing like that. But at the time, uh, when, you know, that's all that was available, they were cool. We were so used to getting shit as kids and just accepting it like we had to just be happy to get it at all doesn't it feel that way uh, yeah cause i i liked I, I i don't i'm trying to remember if i had all four turtles i had at least leonardo like the movie style leonardo yeah and i liked it i think i had either i, I must have had michelangelo because he was my favorite but i don't think i had all four of them either and i might have just been that i was sort of past buying them at that point um but i mean i really was only like I, the the second movie was probably the closing of the chapter, I think. I was on to other things by then. Like, if you think of around, like, 91, 92, I was moving on to, like, Ren and Stimpy, Beavis and Butthead, 
uh, other shit like that. You know, like it really wasn't, I, I had an appreciation for the turtles, but they were no longer like the focal interest of mine. I was moving on and, but they still kept making toys. They still made a lot of toys and they still kept making a lot of cartoons. Um, but yeah, the, the, the fact that he was getting so much pressure from everybody, uh, and, and one of the things too is like Fox pulled out and they, with them, they took a big chunk of the money promised to make the movie even before they started filming and they had to scramble and they got new line, which was really only known for Freddy Krueger movies. It's golden harvest, you know, like they're, they're just scraping money together. Like I, I'm reminded of like Kevin Smith and how he kind of, the way he sort of goes about funding a movie, it, it's interesting. You know, he, he goes through a lot of things to be able to come up with the money to make his movie and not like some studio tampered version of whatever. Like you might take less money, but you get to make your movie. That felt like this, you know, like it, it was such a, it was a small enough budget. Yeah, there was a lot riding for Golden Harvest, but I mean, still it was only like maybe like eight million. I mean, come on <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. So he, from what I, and I didn't know this until just today, I always wondered, like, why was he kicked off the movie if he was doing such a good job making this movie? And I think I know why now. Right when Fox was pulling out and they needed more money, he wanted to, like, complete the vision. Uh, he went, obviously, they all went looking for him and they got the money from New Line. He went to Jeffrey Katzenberg. And I think he had some sort of connections because, I mean, he... Uh, Steve Barron had worked with Henson in the creature shop before he did have a working relationship with him from that storyteller show that he was doing. Uh, that's kind of how they all sort of got together. Like you wonder like, how's a small budget movie from a company that makes Jackie Chan movies? How do they make this? Like what, what circumstances led to this company making the turtles movie? So nobody wanted it. It's, it doesn't make sense. It's crazy to me. To know that so many people passed on it and they had to rely on New Line Cinema who made Freddy movies. Anyways, he goes to Jeffrey Katzenberg, shows him the rough cut of the movie. He's sort of into it. He shows him another cut. He's into it a little more. He was doing this without the knowledge of the people from Golden Harvest. Uh, he kind of went behind their backs. He, I guess he wasn't so really happy with the amount of money that they got from New Line. It was enough to finish making the movie, but not the movie he wanted so when Golden Harvest found out that he was going behind their back into all people Disney, they were very unhappy with with him. And they kicked him and the editor off the movie, I think, because of that. That's why he didn't get to finish editing the movie. And I think it was just sort of like a group think sort of final edit. We got what we got was great. I love it. I can't argue with it i can't complain i like i i am curious what he would have done with his final cut now but it probably wouldn't have been that different i think he was able to get enough of his vision to the final you know in the can so to speak to make mostly his movie but it is kind of heartbreaking to know that he was booted off just for trying to make it better just for trying to do a few extra steps and make it better and if you look at his history, it really bothers me that he didn't have a bigger career. He, um, years later, somewhat recently, he did an, uh, had a, done a panel, and some fans were asking him some pretty interesting stuff, like, hey, if you were to make a Ninja Turtles movie now, would you do practical or CG? And I liked his answer. He's like, oh, I would do, I think I would still do the suits, but I would probably do, like, 
something CG with like the mouth, like you would do something where like the mouth could be CG'd and the eyes could be CG'd, but it's still mostly a person. Like it's feet on the ground. You can see the turtles I'm like that. That would be a good way to do it now. You, but I mean, they would, but what they would end up doing is just what they did in 2014, you know, with what we got. And it, you know, it was okay. But those, those suits, man, those puppets, those, those Jim Henson suits were just everything everything into the success of this movie and buying into it. I mean, anyway, um, I, I kind of didn't go through all the housekeeping. Let's talk about the stars. This was a small budget movie. Uh, so some of the actors you're probably not going to be very familiar with really only one. <laughs> if Judith I'm, if I'm honest, Judith Hogue is right. He played April O'Neil, who I think was mainly known for TV acting. Uh, Elias uh, Cotillas? Yeah. I, yeah, he plays Casey Jones, who I thought was a pretty good Casey Jones. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've seen him in other stuff. Oh, yeah. He, well, he was in Chicago PD, a lot of episodes of Chicago PD. That probably was, that's probably why I know him. Um, so, yeah, he was Casey Jones. Kevin Clash is a splinter, as mentioned before. Not a household name at that point. Um so Raphael is Josh. Is it Josh Pies? Pays? I think so. Yeah, yeah. He's the only turtle who he's the only actor who did the voices throughout the filming of the movie that got to keep his voice. Like all of the actors who were in the turtle suits, the hero suits, thought they were going to be the voices of the movie, and they kind of were probably surprised to learn that they got dubbed over by actors. It worked out great, but I do feel a little bit bad for them. But but Josh, I think, was actually a New Yorker, so his Raphael's sort of New York accent was authentic. And I guess they just decided to keep it in because it was really good. Uh, Raphael, I a lot of people probably loved Raphael after seeing this movie. You know, he he was kind of the only turtle who has a story arc in the whole movie. It's sort of Raphael's story in a lot of ways. Um, let's see. Uh, Brian Tochi was the voice of Leonardo. I really like his voice. Uh, let's see. Um, well, obviously, Corey Feldman as Donatello was the only yeah. person. You you instantly recognized Corey Feldman. You didn't need IMDb to hear Donatello and go, that's Corey Feldman. Mm-hmm. And he was great. He was really funny as Donatello. He really kind of changed the way I looked at Donatello forever. Uh, you know what I mean? He He was just sort of that nerdy sort of throwaway character like, Michelangelo's the party dude and Raphael's like, you know, the tough guy and rude and Leonardo's the leader. Uh, I don't know. Really well, kind of made Donatello a much cooler character. I think I think that's what was one of the things I really liked about the movie <clears throat> was you had it was more of a subtle nod to, you know, cuz I mean, coming coming from the cartoon as like, you know, each each of the turtles, I mean, when I go back and watch the cartoon from time to time now, it was like you know you didn't you didn't have the dynamic in the original cartoon where there was really much dissension among the turtles, especially between Leo and Raph. Mm-hmm. Leo was the leader, and everybody's okay with that. Um, Donatello, you know, like the you know you have the the theme song. Leonardo leads Donatello. He does machines. He does machines. So he would <laughs> yeah. he did all the stuff like everything that they needed. He, he was the tech guy. He was the tech guy. Yeah. You know, and even even when you go back to you know Raphael is rude but crude, he I mean like th- that being like if that's his you know that's what he's known for. It's like he would have a quip, you know, a, a lot of the time. But it wasn't like he really wasn't. Um, 
he, he wasn't as uh, brash of a character on the show. And then Michelangelo was mostly his was mostly like he loved pizza and he had the, he was totally the surfer dude. That was the thing. He like, was the surfer dude. Yeah, he, yeah, the, he was that. He brought that culture, that surfer dude yes, culture that was that just was his vibe. So and so running rampant Bill and Ted and all yes. that stuff back in the day. I loved and I, that was why I really liked, you know, because in the movie you have Leonardo and he's the leader. And he, re- I mean, like that was a part of, I mean, it kind of defined who he was, but not in a cartoony way. You know, Donatello was, he was, it wasn't necessarily just that he was into like tinkering with stuff, but it was like, okay, we need somebody here that, you know, Leo's got like the leadership quality. And so he's, he's, there's a lot of heart in that and some decision-making, but like, we need somebody that has, you know, that's going to think about things. We need somebody that's mm-hmm. like, okay. You know, there's there's an intellectual capacity that comes, you know, Raph in the movie. We was, need somebody who can think up all the toys and yeah. gadgets that we're going to sell to the kids. Yeah. And like, well, how and, does how can he make these things? He's a genius. He does machines. Don't ask. He's and especially I mean, like, you know, it bleeds over a little bit more in the second one where, you know, he did. I mean, like he used an actual computer, um, but it's like, OK, <laughs> he has he has a proclivity towards these kinds of things like he's he's got an interest. It wasn't his only characteristic and then with with mikey was the same thing he loved pizza and he was but i think that was where like mikey and i were really on the same wavelength (laughs) oh he and it was i think he was he was very comedic and he still had the surfer vibe it was it was a little bit tempered especially in comparison to to the cartoon but like that was i think that was one of the things in you know in the when they did the reboot in 2014 you had it felt like they just kind of took whatever the whatever the levels were that were set mm-hmm. in in the original. Yeah. They just kind of yep. like fudged them enough to where it was like, okay, let's push Raph up. Let's push like you they just really kinda, did, yeah. So it was, I think that because even even in Secret of the Use, they did that a little bit. It wasn't it wasn't overt. It was like you could tell they were do, trying to be a little bit uh, a little bit more cartoony and less dark which was, you know, a note from the first one, but it didn't feel yeah. like they just amped up everybody's And the know, suits were a little well the suits were a little well like better well lit. And I think because of that they don't look as good as the first one. Yeah. You know, th- those shadows really help a lot. He really understood that. I mean, he was he's he I mean, he was sort of most famous for making videos like Aha Stand by Me. He made that. That was him. Nice. Yeah, so he was—he was like a—you know—he was a hot shot. I mean, a lot of people consider that to be one of the all-time great videos. People still like make there'll be parodies of that video, like in modern-day commercials. I mean, people still remember that video. Uh, but again, he—he he just didn't. I guess because of the waves that he made, he really shot himself in the foot. And here's the other story that's sort of heartbreaking. Um, this was sort of his crossing like he, i think he has like a pretty good sense of humor about it and you know he did have a long career not like he didn't have a career after this but what but what he said was that a year or so after the success of the turtles movie steven spielberg invited him out to his offices to discuss maybe working on a project together like he was so impressed with the turtles movie like watching it with his kids i want to work with this guy and he pitched his idea to him, and he said, no thanks. And that turns out that movie that he was pitching was the Casper movie that came out a few years later, the 1995 Casper, Casper movie, yeah. Cena Ricci. He was going to work with him maybe to, to, to adapt the Casper movie, and he said, no thanks. 
And he realizes now that that probably wasn't the best thing. Like he probably should have went ahead and made that movie. Uh, but I don't know. He just, he wasn't interested in it. And you know, he made, let's see his other, he, he did. Let's see. What else did he do? I mean, yeah, he did the Pinocchio movie with Jonathan Taylor Thomas, but he also did one other movie that I'd heard of. Let's see. Hang on. A lot of a lot of videos, even after the Turtles movie, lots of videos. ZZ Coneheads, Coneheads. Yeah, that was the movie that he made, which is a good movie. I think oh, that's, that's a, a great pretty, movie. pretty faithful adaptation to the uh, SNL sketch. Was was another big thing that was going on in the early nineties, turning SNL sketches into big movies. So, but that movie wasn't a disaster. He did well with that too. I wonder if he's just hard to work with or something. You look at him, and he's kind of a he kind of looks like a Rennie Harlan looking dude. He's got like long hair and yeah. a ponytail and. I don't know. He just, I guess he just didn't jive with other creative types. Cause there has to be a reason why you go from making the biggest movie in all of the world. And then you go back to making ZZ top videos. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Something doesn't really add up there. I want to circle back around to Eastman and Laird. Think about their, <laughs> their story. They had, sort of as a joke created the turtles had this nice run with Mirage. They brought out the comics and then they get this cartoon, which I think they weren't thrilled about. Like they probably weren't happy with, I mean, we've seen the, you know, the, how the toys are made and you know, like that kind of thing, the toys that made us, uh, and they're changing all of these things to appeal to kids. They're just taking, if you see, if you know, like Nick did what the graphic novels were, and then you see, all of the concessions that they made to get it into a show, vastly different. Yeah, and then, I forget which, but I feel like one of them in particular was not happy with the cartoon at all. Yeah, aren't didn't they even split as partners and like one it, of them actually owns? Yeah. Is it Eastman, Kevin Eastman, that actually kind of owns it all now? Uh, it was I a three way partnership at first. It was like Eastman and Laird and another guy. And Eastman and Laird always had like final say in every decision made, but this other guy was, he was a partner and he would make suggestions, but Eastman and Laird always got final, uh, you know, rights of refusal or whatever. Final, final say so. Um, but it is boggles my mind. Cause you know, like they had all that success from the cartoon and the toys. And then here they, they come by and they're like, well, we're going to make a movie and we're going to shift gears again, but it's going to be more like your original vision. I wonder how happy they were when they saw that. I I imagine they were pretty pleased with it. Um, I, I don't really remember ever seeing anything in particular that has said this, but I, I imagine they would have been pleased. I am, I have to imagine, too. Uh, I had mentioned that Playmates was very unsatisfied, like Golden Harvest, even like they weren't really. They, they would make suggestions like you need to make it brighter. But yeah, they, they, they didn't come right out and be like, this is dog, this is just crap. This is like that white dog poo that's dried up on the yard and, you know, you're forced, like force a kid to lick it, whatever. That's what it was in their opinion. But here, and it came around and I just, I, I think that's, to know that it went from like Gallagher, Gallagher's manager's hands to, hey, let's make a Bobcat go with, I would have loved that. I would have loved to have seen that. <laughs> oh, I would watch that movie all but day long. But just a ridiculous, like, super-duper low budget. And another thing that was out around, sort of around that time, was that Captain America movie that 
uh, was like a direct video kind of uh, thing. Wasn't yeah. that around 1990? I think that was I the level so. of stuff. This could this turtles movie in the wrong hands could have just been like that Captain America movie. That oh, was yeah, that was garbage. not a good movie. I have that right? movie. I mean, it's not good. <laughs> you keep watching it every now and then to hope oh, it's better. It, I mean, just <laughs> maybe is, I'll appreciate it more. And it no, it doesn't. It doesn't ever get any better, ever. <laughs> uh so back back to the cast. I I mean I think that's well. You, of course, you had a Sam Rockwell, which is <laughs> an amazing cameo. Like Oscar award winning Sam Rockwell is in this thing. How I don't know. I don't know how he's there. I don't know why he's there, but he's there. Was he just like a kid hanging out in North Carolina? Was he a kid hanging out in New York City? Well, I don't know what it was, but there he was. He is totally there. Uh, and that, that's more or less it for the cast. I mean, th- like I said, there was a lot of stuntmen from Hong Kong that did all those crazy stunts, like the stuff where they're like rolling it up. Like, you know, how they do that sort of wheel thing. And they, they, then they, like one of them does like a roundhouse kick and like kicks like three foot soldiers. Like they were, they were getting so good at doing stunts in those uh, action suits that they, you know, they were very confident. Like they're riding around on skateboards and stuff. Like they're doing some pretty cool, amazing things in these big, cumbersome rubber suits they can't see shit they're they're making it look really good i i i just i appreciate it i i always appreciated this movie and i appreciate it even more just kind of researching and learning about uh how they a lot of times these great movies come from having to make creative decisions and really maximize what you can do with your smaller budget right doesn't it kind of seem like that you get these big overblown movies that cost like $300, $400 million to make. They don't feel like much sometimes. This movie felt like a lot. And it was only $13.5 million. And $13 million of that went to the turtle suits, I'm betting. Well, <laughs> the I, other $500,000 went to pizza. Corey Feldman's like, drug hat. Drug <laughs> went hat right up Corey's nose. <laughs> Straight up Corey's nose. $500,000. Yeah. It's the only way they could get him to sit still long enough to record his lines. The the one um, one other note about the cast that just because he uh, he deserves <clears> recognition <throat> and you don't you don't see him is but it, not in this one you do see him in the second one he he comes back as uh, Kino er, Ernie Ernie Reyes yeah. Junior. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nick Nick and I were having to talk about that offline. Was was he in the Donatello action suit? He wasn't in a hero suit. I think he might have been in the Donatello action suit, like doing the stunts. Yeah, and he he was he was like a famous little up and coming martial artist. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's been in a few things, quick kicks and the Surf Ninjas, and he was an obviously starred in the second Turtles movie. I like that. I like that he was in the suit, and then he got promoted to being like, a star. We need to bring this you know, kid like back. Of, yeah, and he was very charismatic, a likable kid. I mean, you could you very easily like you know Ernie Reyes Jr. And he still seems like a pretty nice dude, even to this day, from what, you know, like everything that I've seen. I, I think because um, I do, I do credit. I mean, like me, just you know, just my own personal take on it is I, I mean, in knowing that he was in one of the suits doing the doing the stunts, and then they liked him so much that they put him front and center. Because my first exposure to him was as Kino in um, Teenage Mutant Turtles two, and then I think it was me too. Nine, I think ninety two uh, a year later is when he did Surf Ninjas surf ninjas and yeah. so it was when i was like okay so you were just one of the stunt by guys. the way great movie oh absolutely <laughs> fantastic movie 
the best Rob Schneider movie. Oh, what if I... I mean, it eclipses even Judge Dredd. Yeah, it's a real... And uh, Leslie what? Nielsen. Judge Dredd? No, Ron, don't be crazy. You got some Leslie Nielsen in there, too. It was great. Um, but Good uh, stuff, man. But yeah, Ernie Reyes Jr., I, you know, you don't see him all that often. I remember when he popped back up in the rundown uh, in the early 2000s with The Rock. And oh, Sunlight yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. He played the dude that was like doing all the flips and crap, right? Yep. Good stuff. He's keeping up with the martial arts, too. You could tell. Yeah. Forgot about that. Yeah, he can act. He Why, why aren't more people using him? He's know. a really likable dude. He seems like it. He seems like a really likable dude. Uh, and he, he was a really pretty decent actor in that second movie. So, you know, good for him. And Nick and I actually at the Louisville Arcade Expo last year, the dude who played Kano in the Mortal Kombat game. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He he actually played a several uh, characters in the TMNT2 movie. Uh, he played a couple of the foot soldiers. Nice. I think he played a, he was just had a few like roles. Like they used him a couple, like Walt Flanagan style. They reused him a few <laughs> times. That was a really, I love those types of things at these expos. Mm. Yeah, I, I never would have connected those two dots. Not, not the guy who was in the Mortal Kombat movie, but the guy who played the motion cap in the game. Know, or, uh, in the game. Cap. Yeah. Yeah. In the game. He was a pretty interesting guy. I liked him. Um, but gee whiz, what what a great movie! Uh, it just it satisfied me to no end back in the day. Still still fun to watch now. I I say with pride, without any sort of sarcasm whatsoever, when I say that TMNT the ninety version is just like the definitive turtle movie. Is the definitive turtle anything for me? I just I love it. It just it hits all the right spots. It looks great. The cinematography is great. Even like the score of the movie, which is sort of kind of generic, uh, became iconic. Like so many of those, you know, th- there's not one Teenage Mutant Ninja. Like they don't even use that song in the movie. They kind of like do their own thing, but it works. It works great. So um, favorite scenes. So like a favorite scene that really excited you like the most Nick, when you're watching the movie in theater, can you remember, can you take yourself back to like 13 year old Nick? Like, was there a scene in particular that just really made you happy while watching it? Or can you remember, or like in subsequent viewings on tape? Oh, a scene that I can think that stands out is just that pretty, really cool scene in kind of in the middle of the movie where Michelangelo is having that little nunchuck, a little battle against the other foot soldier with the nunchucks. Yeah, fellow chucker, yeah, eh? Yeah, that was fun. Uh, I like that too. Yeah, that's the only thing. Uh, I, I mean, that, that that actually was like a big laugh with a lot of the kids. Like, because yeah. especially like they kind of both do their chucking. And I like how the one foot soldier kind of like goes, oh, like to the yeah, other foot oh. soldiers. Like, oh, we got this guy's for real. It's legit. For the long, the first two or three, maybe five times I saw that movie, I was very confused by Michelangelo's like winning Chuck. It because his like fingers are like kind of plump and fat anyway. It looked to me almost like he was just holding it, and the nunchuck was spinning. And I was like, "Why would that be the?" Uh, yeah, but, I think oh, that no, was he's like the a silly special effect where yeah. it's like he's spinning the whole thing, like and a basketball on your finger. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it, yeah. I, it took a few viewings for me to get why that was the like keep practicing moment. You know, like 
what he just like he's just whipping it around as generically as I would do. That's what wins. But uh, but that that was a fun moment that I remember. But overall, uh, uh, like a, a key moment, I I think it's really just kind of recognizing the 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 story being from the Mirage comics. Mm-hmm. Really, the uh, kind of an amalgamation of, of a few different uh, stories from the comics that they meshed into this one story for the movie. I, I think that's kind of the key moment for me. I don't know why other movies didn't follow that blueprint. That was right there in front of them. Respect. 4KJ used to say this so much, even before the MCU got going with Iron Man. He would always be so frustrated. Like we would watch a movie like one of, one of the uh, old X-Men movies or, uh, anything after the first Spider-Man movie, like there'd be a new comic, like spawn, you know, something would come out and you'd get excited for it. Cause you're thinking maybe this will be like the next Batman. Maybe this will be the next Ninja Turtles. And he would, we'd watch it and we would always just sort of be like, well, we gotta, you know, we got the movie, but like, why are they making up so much shit? Like why it doesn't make sense. You have a good story already, a story that millions of people already love. And he's like, if they would just start taking the story straight off the page and making a movie version of that, that's when they'll start getting good. And he was right. Why is Dalsam a scientist working <laughs> under M. Bison? Yeah. What, what? <laughs> I don't know. It, 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 but it was like, they weren't the, like, everybody did it. Everybody would just. It, it was so frustrating. It's like, just be happy you're getting a Transformers movie. Like, I feel like that's the way they would approach. Like, kind of. I'm just gonna attitude. take this name and do whatever I want with it. Yeah, you see that blue helicopter? That's fucking Optimus Prime. Because <laughs> <laughs> we had enough money in our budget to sort of transform a helicopter into a robot. That's it, Optimus they, Prime. It's like they just look down a list of names and oh, I like the oh, I like the sound name. of that name. That's oh, a cool yeah. name. Okay, this guy is gonna be that name. <laughs> And into some like they still kind of do it with these Transformer movies. Like you'll see like a character, you're like, oh, that's supposed to be Mirage. Oh yeah, you know Jazz in the new movie. Yeah, yeah, that's not Jazz. Yeah. It's Mirage. It's Mirage. Like fucking shit for real. The Porsche. Why are you still doing this? <laughs> I mean, you got che- the Cheetor one. That's right. Bumblebee's a Camaro. What the hell's happening? What the <laughs> hell's going on with these people? These old farts fucking with our childhood. That's all I'm gonna say. Now the old farts are us, and we can finally make the movies the right way. We could do something about it. Yeah, we could finally be the ones to make the decision. Well, yeah, because that's that's uh, the thing now. It's like, oh, you you want to make a Transformers movie, and it's going to be a blockbuster. Um, hey, one quick question: uh, Can any of the Snowflake kids pay to come to the theater to see it? Because we all have disposable income. And we'll take our families to see this and would pay you the money. But if you're going to make a shitty movie, yeah, no, I'm not showing up. Well, it was the Sonic the Hedgehogs thing, sort of. That was like, no, we're not having it. For better or for worse, the the making Sonic better, the public outcry of making Sonic better. We're in a new world now, a new era where you can you can just sign petitions and hopefully get shit remade. That hasn't happened yet, but people keep trying. Like, I don't like the way this movie ended. I'm going to get 100 people to sign a piece of paper, and they're going to spend another $200 million to make it the better way. Like, what are people thinking? 
mean, seriously, it is a business after all. They got to make a ton of money to make any money. So I get it. I understand. You know, like they they have all these ideas about movies and how it has to be. And, and to a degree, they might be right. But trust the source material. It's it's a popular like make make the movie of the thing that's popular and don't take away the things that are popular that made it popular just because it's more convenient or you think it looks cooler. Like, you know, come on, screw you. You might be writing the checks, but we're watching the movies. I'm going to get off my soapbox now. <laughs> I'm getting very passionate and upset about this. It's all right. It's all right. It's calm. Down. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. <sighs> I mean, anytime we start talking Ninja Turtles, like this happens every time. Deep, okay. Deep um, th- this, this episode's getting pretty long in the tooth. Uh, th- I mean, <laughs> yeah. A lot of times, like Adam, me and you, we'll, we'll spend the majority of the episode just sort of talking about all the things happening around the movie. Why do I like this movie? Well, how does this movie make me feel? And barely talk about the movie at all. But that's okay, because yeah. other shows and other podcasts break down the movie painstakingly frame by frame. Like, that's not what we're about. Let's talk about where we were as people, how we were feeling, were we disappointed were we happy? Like, obviously, we're very happy with this movie. Uh, and it, it really kind of s- jump-started this sort of national obsession with comic book movies. It r- Batman and Ninja Turtles. Like, that's why. You can thank those two movies for the gazillion other comic book movies that have come out since then. And it seemingly never will end. Like, they're just going to keep making comic book movies. We're just going to keep going to them, <laughs> like, seeing them over and over and over. Will they ever go away, Adam? No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> it's just too big to fail now, right? It is. It's like the Dana Carvey show. Oh, that lasted forever. It was too that big to was, fail. It was too big to fail. It was too big to fail. <laughs> so many good writers on that Mug show. Root really. Beer. If you got Mug Root Beer as a sponsor, <sighs> you're too big to fail. <laughs> do, you, do you remember that, Nick? Do you remember the Dana Carvey show? In the name, yeah. Oh, okay. I I was kind of expecting you to say I, you didn't even remember that that uh, was a thing. Yeah, I I remember it was a thing. You probably just remember it being a thing, but I bet you don't remember anything from it, right? Or did I, you? I never yeah. saw it. It it was ahead of its time. We'll just say <laughs> it was a little ahead of its time. Pretty funny if you're watching it now. Freaked people out back in the day, like they were not ready for Dana Carvey show. Um. All right, but like I said, this this show is getting a little bit long in the tooth. Uh, I wanted to talk about a few scenes. Nick, I share that scene. I really enjoyed that scene. That was a good one you picked. I also really love all the farm stuff. All of that is great. Uh, Adam, what what about you, man? Like, is there was there a part of the movie that you mostly enjoyed, or uh, something that just like blew your mind, or never never left you, always stuck with you? Oh my my favorite because I was always a Raf guy. Raf was my favorite, so. Um, Raph coming out of the theater, the Critters poster, and meeting up with uh, <laughs> Casey Jones. And mm. that whole interaction between the two of that was just, it was great because I felt like it really showcased both of those characters really well. It really did. And so, I mean, it was just. And, and again, also, they those two characters are very closely tied in a lot of future yeah. uh, TMNT things, like those guys. Um. But it was a cool departure because if you think back to the cartoon, the the voice actor was it Ron Paulson, something he was he did he did I think he oh, did yeah. also yeah. Uh, Wacko's voice not Wacko uh, Yakko yeah. Yakko's voice did he do Yakko for the Animaniacs Yeah yeah yeah, and he still does voice acting to this day Oh he does tons of Very stuff 
a very different kind of Raphael, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I like that he came back and did the voice for, was it Donatello? Yeah, he did in Donatello the, in, in, in the, the updated series, in the 2000, yeah. early 2000 series. <laughs> he just traded turtles. Really, yeah. really cool. Cool, cool. Um, yeah. Uh, your siblings, Adam, I know you're the oldest. Were they just way too young to appreciate the Ninja Turtles at all? Not- <laughs> Nick, I know, like, yours, you're brother sister like take him or leave him really my younger brother he's he's four years younger than me um because i had uh i had a, a lot of ninja turtle action figures um and i think uh because by the time uh you know it, it ran for several years um the cartoon did and then the, you know the movie's going into you know, 91, was it 91 for TMNT 2, I think? 91, yeah. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, by the time Teenage Mutant Turtles 3 rolled around, it was like, okay, feudal Japan, we have jumped the shark. <laughs> I didn't even see that one in theaters. That's how much I'd fallen off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you really missed out, Ron. You should, if it comes back as a... It's not terrible. They, well, they got Casey back, right? The original Casey came back. Uh, yeah, I think so. It was a different April for sure. Di- well, it's got to be a different April. This is like Batman. They got to cast a different April yeah. every time. Yeah, it's it so was stupid. Like she didn't want to do the second movie because she thought it was just too violent. Too violent. So weird. Like he has, she had disagreements, and they just got rid of her, just like they got rid of the director. <laughs> like, like you're out of here. This movie made two hundred million. We're not changing that much. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was, it was it was a it was a bold move. Uh, to be like, you know what, which, okay, so let's say we did the first one, we did this one, we did, well, we got Toka and Razor. What should we do with the third? What are kids re- What are kids into these days? I don't know. Feudalism? Feudal Japan, yeah. <laughs> Is, I mean, that seems like a thing that a lot of kids are into, right? What if we go to Feudal Japan? Uh, I think that how would many, work. How many, like, Trapper Keeper folders did we have with Feudal Japan on oh, the cover, Nick? I mean... I did. Uh, many, many. You, you probably actually probably did. Nick was very into Japanese culture as a teenager. Uh, you really took to that stuff. <laughs> I, I, it, just, it wasn't for me, but I appreciated that you appreciated it. And it, it is beautiful. <laughs> but I can't there, even There was begin. that time when you were very... I can't. I can't even begin to tell you just how many playground conversations that I would have with my associates on the merits of just feudalism in general. You know, <laughs> it, it was. It was of one of those like oh, recess is over. Great, we got a go lot do, of bloody noses on like, on playgrounds. Is all like, I'm saying. Just uh, you know, okay, okay, guys, put a pin in it. Tomorrow we're coming back to surfs, uh, not S U R F S, S E R F S. And the role that they played in in the feudal system. So okay, that was that was that was how we did recess. We talked about feudalism. I wanted to leave you guys with going out on your own, and I I, I discovered this YouTuber, and he's really great. I'm trying to find him. I'll probably continue to keep looking as long as we're still talking. But he um he did a, a video where he f- he went to New York. And his mission was to, it was really interesting. It was, his mission was to locate all of the New York uh, shots and kind of try to recreate them. Because I knew, I knew going back for a while now that the movie was filmed in North Carolina. I was aware of that, but 
I wasn't sure exactly how much was actually filmed in New York because they did a pretty good job of, you know, meshing the, the sets from North Carolina with New York. And uh, it, was, it was really cool because he went to each location where they actually filmed in New York and found, like, he, he would angle his camera and get the exact shot. Nice. Uh, one of those being was the marquee for Critters. He found that building. It's the Trump. It's like a Trump building now. <laughs> Well, like oddly enough, uh, I was telling Nick about this. If there, there's the the shot where Raph is seeing the movie and he's he's chasing Casey after they leave uh, the park, you you get a great shot of the street where the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man was coming down, like in the Ghostbusters when you, he's revealed. And it kind of turns the corner. Yeah, he turns the corner, and there's that building kind of in the middle. That that same shot from that critters, like if you for a second you see it perfectly, like you can just see the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man in your screen if you just think about it. And I, I found that really interesting. And I did I would not have put that together if it wasn't for that's him. fantastic. But it's great. But I I want to find. But there there were really all the New York shots were this. It was it was the whole sequence in the movie theater, all of that. When they flip over and like. When when Casey and Raph jump over that brick wall, like the brick wall is New York, over the brick wall is New- North Carolina. That's a big jump. And then they jump. Yeah. Well, in fact, the guy took his camera and he looked over. He's like, I always wonder like where he would have landed, because he just you know they're just jumping over, hopping over. There's like a big drop, like right there. <laughs> <laughs> like a pretty good drop that that Hong Kong stuntman probably like hurt himself. It might have been Jackie Chan. Who knows? Can't confirm that. Uh, but I thought that was hilarious. Like, oh, I always wonder where he's jumping over. Oh yeah, that's a big drop. Uh, but there's that scene uh, in the su- in the subway tunnel where April is first attacked by the foot, and you know uh, she has Raph's sigh and she's like pulling out of her purse. Like that is actually in New York. That's the subway. Um, and the scene where Danny, the little, the, the, like, you know, like little punk kid, Danny and his dad, who's like the April's boss, they're kind of driving down. And to me, it looks like a Seinfeld, like, it looks like straight out of a Seinfeld episode. Cause he's like, like, Oh, Danny, you're really turning into a real piece of crap. And he's like, Oh dad. <laughs> and, and then he gets out of the car and he runs down the subway. Like that's actually in New York. Um, and the, the brief scene where you see like the clubhouse for all of the teenagers that the foot are recruiting, like that exterior is actually New York, but everything else is North Carolina, like every single bit of it, the subways, like they, they built these gigantic subways, like not subways, manhole covers. Cause the turtles, those actors with those costumes could not fit through a normal size manhole cover. So they had to dig like four feet underground and they built these custom sized manholes and they would kind of be underneath. But the funny thing was that in North Carolina, if you dig so far down, it's just like filled with water. So they hit water and they would have to pump the water out before they could get the turtles to like crouch down underneath and come up through the the manhole cover. Like just like shit like that really fascinates me. Stuff we're robbed because we don't have a true good director's commentary. Adam, the only way you can get a director's commentary for this movie is if you watch the German print. And it's so funny because 
it's like the TMNT logo, but it goes like, it says like TMNT Der Movie. Like, <laughs> Der Movie. Welcome to Germany. We have the turtles for you. This TMNT is Der Movie. Der Movie. <laughs> Watch Der I Movie. I love it so much. I, I hope that one day we'll actually get that big, maybe 40th anniversary. I don't know. God willing, I'm still around. The 50th anniversary, I'll get a 5K release of this movie and I can enjoy all the deleted scenes that I, you know, didn't get to see, all of the concept art. The stuff that just loving fans who make content like we all do, putting stuff out there on YouTube, doing their own research. Uh, those heroes will finally have a place where they, all their hard work can go into and it'll be a nice little package. Shout Factory, please make it happen. Yeah, I, had, I don't know I had why to, they wouldn't. <laughs> I had to check because I have the I have the steel book from the UK, but the only it has production stills, it has the US trailer, the UK yep. trailer, and then the the thirty minute behind the shell documentary. But you can watch that yep. on YouTube. It's not like oh, this is a special thing you can only get on this right. steel book. It's like oh, anybody can watch that. Okay, well it's late. We got to get going. Uh, Adam, since we're doing the movies we love, I mean, did you have a, a pick for the next episode that we can sort of give a little taste, a little preview? I, or I, when we if, if I'm going to pick if I'm going to pick a movie because I just rewatched it. Uh, yeah, uh, it was about a month ago. <clears throat> um, I, I think I think I got to go with Pool Hall Junkies. What? What's this again? It's called Pool Hall Junkies. Okay. And as best I know, because I I, uh, I have it on, uh, I don't know if it's a bootleg Blu-ray or if it's a legit Blu-ray, but I have it on Blu-ray. But it's, uh, well, I streamed it on Peacock. And it's got um, it's got Christopher Walken, uh, Chasmel Palminteri, Ernie Reyes Jr. is oh. in the movie. Um, wow. So there's this is just February is Ernie Reyes Jr. month. We've got a little connective tissue there between the two movies. <laughs> Let's go. So I'll, yeah. I'll, if we get thir a third one in, I'll do Surf Ninjas. There. And then you can pick TMNT too for your other. <laughs> and then we so would just have February as Thanks our. for joining us for February's Ernie Reyes Jr. We love month. Ernie Reyes Jr. <laughs> just a couple of white broads. Just Drinking Chardonnays, talking about Ernie Reyes Jr. Fanboying out over Ernie Reyes Jr. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, I mean, that'll be fun. Yeah. So we'll we'll be uh, pool house junkies, you say? Pool hall junkies. Pool hall junkies. Yes. And that's streaming where? I believe it. That? I believe it's still streaming on peak. That's where I watched it. Let me. I'm gonna double check real quick while we're closing out here, just because it's. Uh, it's it's a little bit off the beat. It's it's a one. I has yeah. It's on Peacock. Okay. So yeah. yeah. Well, I, I just I just canceled my renewal for Peacock, so I need to jump on that right away. <laughs> I need to get on that because I don't want to reopen it just to, to pick just this. for this. Yeah. No. But it'll be kind of like a what you haven't seen that type episode because yes. I have not seen it. It's great. All right. Well, um, it's been fun. It's been real, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, you know we're. We're like been at this show for two or three, four years now. We're finally getting to TMNT. When we do Batman, it's going to be a thing, dude. We're yeah. going to assemble all Cinemasters. It's going to be like the Avengers. Yes. We're going to get everybody. We're going to get 4KJ. We're going to get Nick. We're going to get the White Machete. 
I want to go all out for Batman. We're going to get Mitch back. Cinemasters assemble. Oh, my God. It's going to be amazing. But for now, for this week, I've been one of your hosts, the Rental King, Ron Avis. I've been Adam Peterson. I'm Nick Wright. This has been the Cinemasters Universe. Thanks. We'll catch you next time. Turtle power. In the hero's form In this day and age, who could ask for more? The crime wave is high, with muggings mysterious All police and detectives are furious Cause they can't find the source Of this lethally evil force This is serious, so give me a quarter I was a witness, get me a reporter Call April O'Neil in on this case And you better hurry up, there's no time to wait We need help like quick on the double Have pity on the city, man, it's in trouble We need heroes like the Lone Ranger When Tonto came pronto when there was danger They didn't say we'd be there in half an hour Cause they displayed reporter was hot on the trail, determined to put these crooks in jail. She spied the bad guys and saw what happened, but before she knew it, she fell in a trap and got caught. Yeah, she was all alone, with no friends and no phone. Now this was beyond her worst dreams, cause she was cornered by some wayward teens. Headed by Shredder, they were anything but good. Misguided on love, they called her the foot. They could terrorize and be angry youth, and they'd mug the people who needed proof. Then from out of the dark came an awesome sight. Shouting cowabunga as they hit the ground. From the field of weeds, the heroes rescued the flower, cause they possessed you believe in, you find the strength to do what's right, that's terrible.